And there we go, everyone. We are back again for another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counterattack. We are here. We are rocking and we are rolling. I had a joke planned for this one and I'm going to say it because you know what? Let's start off with a bang. This is one of my favorite episodes to do this season because we have four incredible football content creators from different ethnic backgrounds as well. So if you are a racist football fan watching this podcast, <laughs> you will not be enjoying this at all. We had some slack. We have, we've had a lot of stick this season for having random, yeah, random people giving us stick for no reason. Like we've had some people say, oh, why are you inviting um, a girl on the podcast? But that girl is actually a very good content creator. She's killing it right now in Canada. She's now one of our most popular co-hosts as well. And she's going to be watching Barcelona face off against Napoli tomorrow as well. So welcome to the show, Sara Parari. It's good to have you back on. And don't worry, I am fighting all of these trolls with my hands um, today as well, which is good to see. How are you doing, Sara? It's good to see you. I'm good. Another Champions League Wednesday pod, Tuesday pod. Sorry, I'm getting midweek pod. Good for yes, this one. But the Champions League is back, so we're we're rocking with uh, the internet letty game on for me while I. Uh, record here very exciting stuff i'm watching psv and Borussia dortmund last week's success was fantastic in watching basically doing a watch along and a podcast at the same time which is fantastic so um someone who doesn't have to watch his team play and do a podcast is basically yourself sorry because tomorrow napoli are taking on barcelona which we will get onto later on in the show which will be fantastic and another person's team who are in the champions league and play playing tomorrow as well against a very tough side in porto is our good friend Matthew from Back of the Net Podcast as well. The reason that Matthew's <laughs> taken flack from people on social media is basically because he still hasn't sent me his authentic Zimbabwean recipes that he promised me two, three <laughs> weeks ago. So I'm asking you, I've been asking you since AFCON, like, come on, Matthew, where is it? We've, we've, we've talked about Jollof in African cuisine. We've talked about Nigerian culture, Ghanaian culture. Where is my Zimbabwean recipes that I can cook tomorrow on my day off? And how are you doing again, my friend? It's good to see you. Uh, it's in a post. It's in a post. It's coming. You know the distant Tanzo and all of that. But no, 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 no. Not in this day and age, my friend. We're talking <laughs> to people across the pond in Canada today. There is no postage delay from you. But it's good to see you. How are you doing today? I'm all good, man. Thanks for having me on. Nice to meet you, Sarah and Daniel as well. I'm looking forward to this one. I'm, I'm real excited. You know, I'm honestly my team in the Champions League, like Sarah. You two don't. You don't know about that. You don't know about that. Last. We're going to yeah. test your football knowledge later on as well, which would be great. <laughs> and I know it's not it's not your fault, Matthew, at all. But basically, Daniel isn't part of our uh, podcast this week from the Footy Coach. It's actually Chris. But Chris, that's on you. That's a rookie error, my friend. I'm not <laughs> hey, changing changing not your laptop. Not my laptop. <laughs> borrowing from here as well but Chris again another fan like myself who's not in the Champions League a Juventus fan got some fantastic praise from our audience earlier this season when you were talking about the Serie A race with Juventus as well we had that start bench sale with Del Piero Raul and Francesco Totti which was very popular amongst the office and the workplace that I work in as well and university but Chris it's good to have you back on my friend how are you doing this week and I need to start off but after what I've asked you how you're doing with one of your most famous interviews to date. But first of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing uh, much better now because coming from uh, another Juventus result, it's been rough. Oh, that yeah. was a tough game against Udinese. That was painful for you guys. It's sure. really... What, what's, the, what's, what's the difference now? Like 12 points, 11 points in Syria? It's, it's, it's not looking good. I don't even want to check anymore. It's been bad. <laughs> don't worry i'll be checking it later on as well and just to start off the podcast i want to um just appreciate everyone that we've gotten today we've had some fantastic conversations over the season going on the reason i got off on a bit of a 
been an off-putting foot as well because I've had a few people in person say, oh, you know what? I miss it when it's just a couple of people that talk about their same teams every week. And I'm like, no, it's fun like this. I enjoy it like this because we learn so much about different people, their perspective on football. And for me, it's absolutely fantastic because we're learning so much about different people's football heritage as well, which we will be getting onto later on and their recognition of the top 10 Champions League players in the world. Yeah, this season as well. We'll have different lists as well, I assure you. But before we get on to our club talk, which we'll start with Sarah's Barcelona, Chris, I need to ask you, just from a fan's perspective as well, how cool is it that the footy culture is now interviewing Premier League footballers on a regular basis? Because the last time you were on, you said we've got something big in the pipeline coming soon. And then I see an interview with Matty Cash. I see an interview with Axel Disasti as well. And I see you interviewing Arsenal player Lisandro Trossard how cool is it and how cool was it for you to interview um the Belgian international eh, it's all right now I'm joking it's, that's a lot that's a lot that's, that's a lot absolutely <laughs> insane like if I had told you this like years ago that if you told me this I would be doing this years ago like I would not believe you because it's absolutely insane to get these interviews and all of us like every time we go on to an interview like we're, we're nervous because of how important this is and like how big of a star they are like we're not getting like no names like these are players that and ball out every Sunday, every Saturday. Like it's it's absolutely mind blowing. I don't even, I can't put it into words. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it's one of your most performing reels or social media content I've seen. The impressions wow. you had was ridiculous, and which yeah. is insane as well. Um, but I, I, but now you've got a conversation with a with a model of the Emirates and the basketball <laughs> club as well. So I mean, look at him now. He's looking like his Spice Adams, which is crazy to see. Come on, Matthew, you know <laughs> what I'm talking Adams. about. It's crazy to see what you're up to. <laughs> Literally. Uh, <laughs> Let me not do that again. <laughs> that's that's not a racist joke, by the way. That's an inside. That's that's a, that's an inside joke. That's now become a public joke as well. But um, before we move on to Sarah talking about Barcelona, first of all, what was your favorite question and answer that you got from Leandro Trossard when you got to interview him, Chris? Um, hmm. I'm honestly, interviewing the interviewer now. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> my favorite answer was who we uh, who looks in front of the mirror, like who looks at themselves in the mirror the most. And he went on to say Odegaard. I, I wasn't expecting to answer that at all. Like I thought he was gonna, yeah, I can't answer that. But he 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 did like a little smirk at the end, like, uh, but like it was great. Like just for him to answer every single question without having without having any problems with any of them, it was great. I would have thought it'd been Ben White personally, with the amount of orange tan he puts on himself. That's Jeez, what I man. thought. So how's he looking? Literally, how's he looking so tanned in December when it's freezing and it's raining as well? He's definitely not going to Spain every weekend or every week, I should say, because he's playing all weekends. But that was crazy to, to see that as well. But nicely yeah. done there, Chris. And credit to you and you, um, the boys over at the Footy Culture as well. Fantastic work and effort that you've got going on as well. And someone who's been featured on the Footy Culture recently as well, Sarah Peraria. Take us away with Barcelona. What happened at the weekend with Celta Vigo? What are you expecting with this new salary wage cap that we've seen breaking news today as well which is crazy and the fact that Jao Felix is back into the squad um, for Barcelona against Napoli as well I want to hear all about it take us away my friend yeah I mean let's start with the weekend Celta Vigo um, a bottom table is that Salim no way there's no way Salim's joining the podcast just when Sarah's talking about Barcelona if he joins he joins I was talking about Barca and he's coming there There he is he's finally waking up from his year how, how, <laughs> four months off Salem from Friday night counter-attack all it, took, all it took was a coffee yesterday night I was like yeah I'll get you back on which is good but yeah Salem we're back we're ready we've gone through our introduction Sarah's here talking about Barcelona so 
Um, I'm ready for your talk, your topics of Aston Villa today. So Salem is an Aston Villa fan for our panellists that don't know. Matthew, as you know, is an Arsenal fan by what he's wearing and because you've seen him modelling for the social media pages of Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's your WhatsApp picture, Matt. You can't even deny it, um, which is cool. Chris over here still hasn't changed his name to Daniel, for goodness sake, as well. I don't get it, Chris. Chris is here for chaos. It's true. But Chris is a Juventus fan, Salem. So, Salem, it's good to have you back on, my friend, and looking forward to hearing your thoughts this season on, well, this year, actually, on Aston Villa and everything else in football. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, good, thanks. I mean, we only met, how long ago was it now? 24 hours. Not that long. Yeah, quite a good meet-up, wasn't it? It was good, it's good. Now you're meeting up with the boys and the girls. We're ready for it. We're rocking, we're rolling. Sarah, Barcelona, what happened at the weekend with Celta Vigo and Robert Lewandowski doing a last-minute winner? Yeah, almost though not nearly through because the penalty originally didn't didn't cross that line, but luckily the keeper stepped off it, so they were able to retake it. But I mean, I, I mentioned this in the reel I just did this morning with the footy culture, but that win Barcelona had lacked any conviction. It, they're just lucky that... Luckily, Jerome dropped points to Bilbao yesterday. What so a game. they're two points off of, yeah, seriously, tons of great goals. But your boy, Daily Blind, big miss for them. Big mm. miss for the boys in Catalonia. But listen, I mean, they're grinding out these kind of really boring, really lucky results. But it's really important for Barcelona if they can't win La Liga to finish second. Because if you finish second in La Liga, you still are guaranteed 5 million euros. And we know how important it is for Barcelona right now, maybe more than any other club in La Liga, to be getting any money they can. So a win is a win, I guess. It's not exciting football. It's not the football that I once grew up watching, the tiki-taka. You know what you're talking about with a winner is a win. You're using mean potential here, Sarah. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. We say it sometimes and then it gets used against us. But yeah, no, it wasn't It wasn't a great win at all. And yeah, Lewandowski, boring. But again, I still haven't seen what I saw from him last season. And it kind of seems that we got the best of what we got from him last season. And that's just going to be left there because he's reached a certain age. And just unfortunately for him, I think he's just slowly on the decline because he's of a certain age. There's nothing against him, but Barcelona cannot build a team around him whatsoever. So Joao Felix being back in the lineup for the Napoli game is massive because it means that there's going to be another attacking threat in the Barcelona force. And they need everything that they can get right now against Napoli for sure because Napoli are a very attacking team and with the way Barcelona are playing I assume Napoli are absolutely going to score against Barcelona when I'm not sure but they'll be able to score but Napoli just sat their manager their second manager of the season which is crazy to think about as well you're looking at if their new manager is going to come in if it's going to be an interim for tomorrow at the time of recording it's not confirmed if he will take charge of the Champions League game against Barcelona but it's in their DNA to be attacking. We've seen Osimhen come back into the, the fold as well. I think around 8th or ninth in La Liga. No, Serie A, I should say. Slip of the tongue there. But again, it's like you said last week, Sarah. There are teams where they can scrape out wins because they've got that winning mentality about them. Barcelona have that. Napoli don't. They haven't had that mentality in the Champions League last season. They never had it um, this season in the Serie A. So it's looking favourable for Barcelona at this time of speaking as well but again this is all in hindsight this is before what's happening as well but um, before we move on to Matthew and Arsenal I need to kind of ask you one question it's going to be a straight yes or no question will you qualify from this round and do you think Barcelona could meet Real Madrid in the Champions League this season 
wait, what? <laughs> there are some, there's two questions there. Um, the yes and the yes for me, that's all I'm saying. I want to see El Clasico in the Champions League. Do you know how cool that would be? Bellingham oh, versus Pedro in the Champions League. we've waited for that for so long. And now it's like Barcelona at their worst in our <laughs> lifetime. You know what I mean? The amount of like quality El Clasicos we could have had. And now if there were to be an El Clasico, it would be such a shame. Um, we saw it last uh, season yeah. in the Milan derby in the semi-finals of Champions League. El Clasico would blow this competition wide open in my opinion yeah but that Milan derby was also not the best Milan derby we could have seen unfortunately it wasn't either. as entertaining you're right you're right you're right yeah like a 2005 Milan derby 2004 oh my goodness um I think Barcelona can beat Napoli I'm gonna say yes but I'm not I'm not silly here I, I if Barcelona have to play Real Madrid I, I don't see Barcelona winning that game right now whatsoever I'd love for it to happen I think in a one-off game anything can happen but if I'm looking at both teams right now one team has the has the players has the coach behind the players has the you know the immense talent looks to be building a team in the right direction and the other team looks to be I don't know kind of cleaning out the locker room right now over the over the summer transfer window I'd say yeah I'd say so as well but again it's yes yes from me it's yes no from Sarah <laughs> Matthew, yes, no, yes, yes. What are you saying for that question with Napoli beating Napoli and facing Real Madrid in the El Clasico in the Champions League? Yes, no. What are you saying? I think oh, well, so I don't want to put a dampener. <laughs> um, no, no, don't you dare. I'm sorry. I just have to say no, nah, no, nah, nah. no, no. Chris, nah. yes, no, no, no. Arsenal cannot wait for Porto to have a big win. Terrain's going to be back and ready for it, which would be good. Chris, yes, no. What are we saying? I mean, I'd hope uh, Barcelona could beat Napoli without a coach. Oh, that would be crazy. Do you know how crazy that would be, though, in, in the Champions League to see that happen? It could be like the uh, AFCON all over again. Emma's face just coming in, <laughs> no, yeah. interim manager. Yeah, but and I mean, it... I'd rather see Napoli win. But... <laughs> and I don't want to see El Clasico in Champions League. Just stick it to La Liga. That's all good. Salem, yeah. round us off. Yes, no, yes, yes. What are we saying? I think um, yes, yes, yes. Like, obviously, I want to see a Clasico in the Champions League, but it's not going to be as mentioned, how it how it could have been, basically. Like 10 years ago, like it could have been the prime players of, of all time as well, all in that one team, which is crazy to think about. Nicely done there, Sarah, on your Barcelona conversation as well. Matthew, take us away with Arsenal. You've got Porto in the Champions League, but I want to talk mostly about two players in particular. I'm not going to I'm not gonna give you an, an option. We've spoken about Leandro Trossard. I want to talk about how he's doing really well as a false nine. And a couple of weeks ago, Sarah and I may have spoken about one of your boys, Kai Havertz, in a in a not so promising light as well. So I want to hear your thoughts on Kai Havertz so far this season, because my theory is you can play really good football, have a really good team, but there's always that one player who kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Even if he does score, he's not playing good football, in my opinion. So have that in the back of your mind as we discuss about Leandro Trossard potentially being ready for a permanent change of position as a false nine under Mikel Altata. What's your thoughts on him? Are you confident in him being a false nine? Let me hear it, uh, Matthew. First of all, I'll start with uh, Havertz. I feel like, I've mentioned plenty of, plenty of times, I feel like he threw off the transfer window for me. I feel like up until that signing, I was so happy. I was going around, parading and showing off. <laughs> and then when we signed him, I was like, why? Why are we giving Chelsea <laughs> money? It was honestly, it was so frustrating. And then I saw him in, I think, first game Community Shield, we played him up top where he was effective. Mm. And then when the league came, we played him the left of the free midfield. I feel like his best pos best position <laughs> is um, further up top. 
but he's been effective. You mean left back, right? You remember that time he played left back for Arsenal this season? That was a left wild back. statement. And he did it for, I swear he did it for Germany as well. I think he did it for Germany as well. Yeah, Germany as well. But um, he'd be left yeah, back on the a... bench. That's what I'd say about Kai Havertz. Come on. <laughs> no, you know, oh, that's rude. That's rude. Don't disrespect my team, yeah? Um, it's not your team. Know. It's just your player. I think your team's fantastic <laughs> besides that one player, personally. No, honestly, yeah. Uh, listen, uh, you, you've heard me, Hamza, for a while. I've said it, you know, it did for us. But he's been effective last couple of games. I'm not one to jump on a hole he scored against Burnley. Listen, Burnley are useless anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it's not one of them. I feel like he'll do well in the Champions League. I think he's going to be that, that moments player. I think Rory Jennings mentioned a couple of months ago. He's going to be that player that scores a goal in... Like tomorrow, Porto. It could be that type of game where it's tight. And he gets that goal where it's like it takes us going to the Emirates, gives us a lot more confidence to beat them. We should beat them over two legs, may I say. Um, That's where he scored that goal in the Champions League final as well, the Dragao Stadium against Manchester City. So maybe there's a bit of heritage there as well. That lucky win for Chelsea. The lucky win for Chelsea. But um, No DM yeah. for Pep. No DM for Pep. Benches Rodri then plays him every game after that because he realises his mistake. It's crazy. Yeah, to you know what I mean? But I, honestly, I feel like it's one of them where Arteta took a big risk with that signing. It was one of them, like, it could have really blown up on him. You know, the, the backing that the fans gave him after last season. And it could have, we're doing well now, but imagine we were, I don't know, fifth in the league and he wasn't performing as he is, you know, last couple of games. It would have been quite horrible. But it's the Chelsea thing, isn't it? It's, we've had so many dud players. Louise, uh, Jorginho's worked out, Peter Cech. We've got a bad... Willian. Willian. You know what I mean? So I feel like Chelsea just enjoyed it. Like, yeah, take him. And we're just, we're just taking their scraps. But yeah, I think he will work in the long run. And he'll do well in Champions League in Europe. Now, nice. Trussard, I love the guy. He... Christos like, too. By the way, <laughs> I think he's like our version of what Liverpool have with Jota. And what yes. I mean, what I mean by that... Flexible is, you know, attacker. Like, exactly. And you know Jota, you give him that chance, he scores most times. Trussard, left foot, right foot. And you can see he's playing with a bit of confidence as well. And I feel like having him up top helps us look a lot more fluid. It doesn't work against every team, my head. There's some opposition when we play in. Uh, I think it's like Man City, we tried it once. And it didn't really work. FA Cup. Liverpool uh, FA Cup as well this season. Liverpool FA Cup as well. But last couple of games, he's been absolutely sensational. Um, and yeah, uh, said Daniel again. Chris, <laughs> uh, Chris probably saw, you know, <laughs> God, he's confused with that name. Um, what he's talking to, probably see he, his confidence is oozing at the moment. And I feel like, yeah, Arteta is just running with that for now. He'll probably start tomorrow again, get another goal. And listen, he was doing it at Brighton, if you remember, scoring against the big teams anyway. You know, he scored a hat-trick at Anfield, scoring against Man City, he scored against us. So quality, quality player. I think he's underrated. I know you got Hamza, you and your others, you know, you're confused with the whole underrated, overrated thing, but Trossard is definitely... Wait, what? What? What are, you, what are you trying to throw shade to? What happened? What I'm happened? not throwing shade. I'm just I'm not throwing shade. Remember the nah, Jekko thing? Edin Dzeko is always going to be underrated and <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we spoke about this off air, but basically I said Edin Dzeko is underrated and some people said it's not underrated, but it's undervalued. But I would say uh, Leandro Trossard is undervalued at Arsenal, personally, because he's getting a lot more hype outside of the club than, in my opinion, in the club, because I think it's absolutely fantastic. And that's not, that's not just from the footy coltage interview um, with Leandro Trossard, because that was a... Quick, quick thing, though. I'm a bit concerned. I'm not can't remember what his contract status is, but I feel like he's going to look to see what's going to happen after the Euros, isn't it? Because if you remember, there was a stage where he wasn't really playing. Now yeah. he's getting a run of games. He, you know, he might choose to stay a bit longer. But I think we need him. He, as I said, he's our Jota. He has to stay. 
Nah, it's good to hear as well, which will be really fun to see as well. But I need to go to your top four rivals because Arsenal may be out the title race by April, like you were last season as well. So I'm going to go to Aston Villa for this one. Salem, we spoke about yesterday. We spoke about how Aston Villa are absolutely on fire um, this season as well. You lost your home record recently to Chelsea and to Manchester mm. United. You're not appeared on the podcast in a while, but I'm going to get you talking about two different players from your side. One of them yeah. will be a very positive light in Ollie Watkins because we've not heard about Ollie Watkins in a while personally because in Europe's top five leagues, Harry Kane's 30 goal contributions, Kylian Mbappe, 25 goal con contributions, Mohamed Salah, 24 goal contributions. Then who's fourth? It's not Haaland. It's not Emi Martinez. It's Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins is in the top five of goal contributions across European football, which is unbelievable to see the work that he's been putting in with Unai Emery. The fact is now the main man at Aston Villa, definitely second choice striker for England at the Euros because you can get rid of Tony, you can get rid of uh, Dominic Solanke and Ketia, sorry, Matthew as well, but he is going to be a mainstay for England for years to come, in my opinion. What does it feel like to see Oli Watkins so consistent, so grounded still as well as an Aston Villa fan and to see him being that proper leader up front? Yeah, I was going to say, like, you're sort of missing probably a crucial part of that stat. But if you look at non-penalty goals, then he, I think he's, like, second on the list. You know, he's mm. above Salah and these guys because he's, he's awful at taking penalties. Um, like me? Yeah. You've, you've seen my thoughts of that penalties. Then they're, they're, like, recorded, like, three, four times in a row before I actually get it in the net. <laughs> so it's not the same um, as Ollie Watkins, isn't unfortunately. That, that's with an open goal, isn't it? <laughs> It's actually an open goal. We don't have a keeper there for that as well. I was like, take three, take four, take five. I need to get them better <laughs> with my top bins. Um, but yeah, carry on. in those bids, man. I look talented because it's like a 10 <laughs> second video, but it's like recorded for three, four minutes. I'm like, well, edit down properly. It's like anyone can look good on a YouTube clip, isn't it? It's like that. Matthew knows all about that. Check out the Arsenal YouTube clip <laughs> when he advertised. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Ollie yeah. Watkins, like, you know, clear main man for us and... Even when he's not scoring, he's assisting, he's working so hard for the team. He's going to be a crucial part of us sort of trying to get Champions League. We've had so many injuries and, you know, if there's one position where we can't afford an injury, it's, it's there because we don't even have a backup striker. Well, we do, but that's John Duran. He's 20 and he's injured as well. So injuries are probably going to cost us. I feel, I feel like if we didn't have the level of injuries we've had, like three ACLs and maybe four or five other key injuries, then... We'd, we'd be in a title race. I'm not saying we'd win the title, but we'd still be in a title race. Um, but yeah, it's quite sad to see. Like, I've never come across, you know, three of the crucial players getting an ACL. I I feel like, you know, Watkins definitely should go, obviously, to the Euros and he should, he'll probably be back up to Kane, but he's something different to Harry Kane. And, you know, I, Southgate will obviously not play both of them together anyway. He probably won't even take Watkins. Because Tony's back and he hates Villa players, but you'll go for Callum Wilson of all people. Come back from injury, one game, bring him in the squad. He does that. It's it's not a fan, not a fan of Gareth Southgate in that way. Yeah, and there's going to be like you know two defensive mids playing in front of a back five and stuff. But yeah, anyway, I, I definitely think we can get Champions League. If we can get Champions League, we can push on. The only thing is, if we don't, we might have to sell like one of our key players just for FFP, which is obviously broken as well. Leon so, Bailey yeah, so to Arsenal. That'd be a great deal. That'd be a fantastic deal. I mean, to be honest, I read today that Arsenal after Oli Watkins. And yeah, I, like I saw that as thing, well. And for me, the only thing that Arsenal are missing is, you know, probably a 25-goal striker, 20-goal striker. And that, you know, that could win him a title because as much as I like Jesus, he's not he's not that. I know Trossard's like another option. But I don't know, maybe Enketia, he's, he's the man. But the, the difference between like Man City and Arsenal, like I felt 
you know, I feel like Arsenal did so well last season, and they they should have they should have gone on to do it. But the difference between them and City, I don't know, like maybe was it more goals, maybe a better defense. I, I don't maybe know, it but... was that number nine position as well, because Sarah mentioned a couple of weeks ago how Ivan Tony would be a really good signing for Arsenal in that number nine position. And Sarah, would you say that Ivan Tony or Oli Watkins would be more of a preferred choice for Mikel Arteta's style of play? What would you think would be right for Arsenal going forward? Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, right now, I think Ollie Watkins' form is undeniable. And with Ivan Tony coming back from his six-month ban, we kind of have to see how the rest of the season does for him. I mean, he came back and he scored. Like, he is that guy, it seems. But mm-hmm. I'd say until the season's over, then you can only compare. If he if he ends up scoring, you know, to 10 or 12 goals until the end of the season, I'd say, like, you know, either or, Mikel Arteta would be happier with. But I think overall right now, you can't deny Ollie Watkins and what he's doing. And I completely agree that he isn't being talked about as much as some of these players for the bigger clubs, right? Definitely. It's true. We've got a lot more to talk about over the, the season as it goes along. But it's good to see that Aston Villa are still competing within that top four race um, at this time of speaking. That was a convincing win against Fulham. Wait, can I ask well. a question to Salim just about Aston Villa and making the top four? Because your the- schedule is tough. Like your schedule is not. I I just looked at who you guys were playing, and you have mm. to play City, Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool, Brighton, West Ham, Wolves. Like it's not good. Um, how worried are you about schedule? Well, I am worried, but you know we beat City and Arsenal in one week before, so I can't see why we can't do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way we outplayed Man City that day, you know, if we could. You know, if we can turn up like that, it's, it's difficult in this league. And I don't know, maybe we'll have to rotate a bit, try to get... You know, like there's players that haven't been playing too well, like Diaby's not been playing well lately. Ramsey's sort of just coming back. If we can sort of get them guys back and firing, then we can definitely rotate and work something out between them. And there's a few kids as well, like, you know, with Kamara out injured, we've got Eurobinum there. So, I don't know, I feel like us losing to United that day where we dominated them and should have won... Um, that really opened it up because if it wasn't for that, then the top five would have probably just stayed the top five. I don't like Spurs couldn't have messed up that badly. Spurs um, would have made a DVD yeah. if they outplayed Man City the <laughs> way you did that time as well. They would have created like a whole like parade the way that you outplayed Man City at home that time as well. But you outplayed Manchester United in such a big way that I thought, you know what, you should have really battered us. And like I said on the group chat at the time as well, when you kept Leon Bailey on Victor Lindelof, who's playing out of position at yeah. left back, you had us on toast. And you should have beaten us. But I don't know if it was more um, cautiousness from from Unai Emery that kind of cost you in that game. I, well. I, feel like, I feel like Bailey was tired. But, you know, like talking about Watkins, the one thing that he's missing is like, you know, in that game, he missed quite a few, you know, good chances. I feel like we had 10 shots on target. As as good as much as his finishing has improved, he's still not on that sort of Haaland-Kane level of finishing. Mm. And when he can get to there, he'll he'll get 30 goals for us. You know, he's on 13 at the moment. And I back him to get to 20. Or is it 14? I think he's on 13 or 14, but I back him to get to 20 goals. But the, the next step for him would be to get to, you know, 25, 30. And that's, and that's when you can sort of put him in, you know, near that world-class Harry Kane, Haaland bracket. That, well, that's just me. Dusan Vlahovic, Rasmus Hoyland. Chris knows what I'm talking about right there. No? Not a fan of Dusan Vlahovic? No, no, no. I've got to keep him. Good. I'd like to see that as well, because again, it's not looking good for Juventus, especially after the weekend of what happened as well. But the title race is slipping away from Juventus. I want to hear your thoughts, especially on how you think Maximiliano Allegri can improve this Juventus side, because there is no European football, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. But can you see yourselves challenging for the title? Because Inter Milan are stuck in the 
European qualifying. Uh, yeah, they're in the knockout stage of the Champions League. Do you think yeah. that there's still a title race happening for Juventus? No. I think uh, <laughs> AC Milan and Juve are trying as hard as possible not to be in that title race. And Atlanta uh, as well. <laughs> and Atlanta I, I thought they were trying to be in that title race. They're, those guys are absolutely balling out right now. Mm. But uh, I don't know. Juve's, they came off some great form starting the new year. And then recently, like past three, four games, they've just been a completely different team. I don't even know. I can't, I don't even notice this team. Like no attacking at all. No attacking football at all. You don't have any chances on that. So for Allegri, I think he has to change up something. And I think that's going to be the tactics. I do think we have to try and play a trident of Keza, Yodiz, and Vlavic all at the same time. Those are Yodiz is a player though as well. Sarah and I were speaking about Yodiz earlier this season. Has he been a promising light for Juventus moving forward, or do you think it's going to have to be something where you still have to build around Vlahovic and Chiesa um, going I, forward? For sure, I, I think uh, this might be the player to build around. To be honest, you know, these, really he looks like, is that good? He looks he looks like the real deal. Like when he plays and when he doesn't play, you could tell a difference in, in our attack. He's literally our creator and brings the ball forward and beats the man. We don't it's have got, too many of those. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he's got that X factor from what yeah. I've seen about him as well. He's got that X factor in a normally slow game as well. You want to see more from him going forward. And I think Allegri's like kind of managing his minutes at this time of speaking. And I want to see more from him because it excites me when you see players like that burst onto the scene at a big club like Juventus as well, um, from my mm -hmm. point of view anyway. Um, but can you see, can you expect anything more going forward with Juventus? Because I'm looking at Juventus. I'm thinking you will be in the Champions League next season. That's without a shadow of a doubt as well. But do you think it needs to be changed from the boardroom? Do you need to be changed in terms of personnel, tactics, besides the front three that you mentioned as well? Is there anything else you think you can change to kind of close this gap um, uh, on Inter Milan? I don't know how much you could close the gap because Inter is looking like, like an unstoppable force right now. Mm. They're, they're absolutely destroying everybody. And I think they might get a win against Atletico today. But to close this gap, I think, honestly, I don't think we change anything in the boardroom. Maybe we get rid of Allegri, but I don't think that's like the main problem. I think we need a deeper squad. Our, our Bring squad back Conte. Team. Bring back Antonio Conte. I the actually don't want Conte. The, the dominance was crazy back in the day. What, it 10 was. years of titles is crazy to think it about. Was, but it was a would dominance. You, but who would you had, go for? The league wasn't that good. Yeah, it's true. We said that last week as well, which is like that it was just a banter era of Serie A. But now you're getting that extra position in the Champions League for next season, that fifth position, which is crazy to think about. But who would you want as the next Juventus manager, Chris? Uh, a little shout out to, uh, I don't know if he would come to Juve because he's an ex Inter Milan player, Thiago Motta at Bologna. Oh, the boy is playing some fantastic football at Bologna again. Sara knows what I'm talking about. Sara knows football. He's coming to Barca, Chris. Calma. Okay. If you think he's coming to Barca, you're going to have to keep We had a whole our, half of our podcast last week with uh, with Luca from Italy. Um, he We spoke about Thiago Motta coming to Barcelona and Scout Hands is out here thinking the move's going to happen. No, no. I I honestly think it'd be the perfect move for Thiago Motta. If he goes to Juventus, Inter fans will not be happy with that as well. There's always a certain Jose Mourinho, there's Hansi Flick available, um, as well mm -hmm. Nagelsmann after the Euros. That would be fantastic. Thomas as well. Tuchel's about to be available. Thomas well, Tuchel is just, just going to be sacked. That would be, that'd be from bad to worse, from Allegri to Tuchel, in my opinion, as well. The way his butchered Harry Kane, um, all that hard work for Harry Kane, we'll get on to later on with Bayern Munich. Poor, poor Harry Kane. Poor guys. Hurricane. I'm not going to say poor Eric Dyer because he, he takes failure everywhere he goes. Matt knows about that too. Um, sporting Lisbon, Spurs, Bayern Munich is not his place um, as well. But someone who's found his place in the Premier League is Rasmus Hoyland. Rasmus Hoyland, again, outscoring the... Oh, crazy. I've been looking at some stats today and I'm not a stats person as everyone knows, our listeners, our co-host knows. But I need to read some stats out because it's been quite cool to see it. So again, 
Rasmus Hoyland is the youngest ever player to score six in six successive Premier League games since Joe Willock did at, um, a couple of years ago for Newcastle. He's already outscored the following foreign players in their first Premier League season. Um, so it's Mohamed Salah, Romelu Lukaku, Robin Van Persie, Son Heung-min and Arsenal's Nicholas Danelka, Matthew, as well. So it's done really well in this time of speaking. I'm very happy, of course, as you know, because I said at the beginning of the season, Rasmus Hoyland is the truth. He is a fantastic player. I watched him at Atlanta last season. I thought he was fantastic. Salem can back me up on this one as well. And the fact that Salem actually had the opportunity to watch Rasmus Hoyland's first Premier League goal live against Aston Villa, I know he's backing away from the camera being a bit shy. But again, <laughs> Salim, I've got to ask you about Rasmus Hoyland. Have you been impressed with him this season? Because he has had a lot of stick go his way, but the fact that he's not in control of the price tag, but is in control of what he can control on a football pitch. His instincts are still there for a natural goal scorer. He can shoulder the ball in like a Mario Balotelli did um, against Norwich, I think he did once upon a time as well. What's your thoughts on Rasmus Hoyland this season? Salim? Yeah, it was quite typical that he he didn't score for, what was it, 15 games and then he scores against us and then doesn't stop scoring. So, you know, you, you're welcome for that. But <laughs> I, he, he's got the attributes, you know, of like a quality striker. He's, he's a bit hard done by, you know, playing in front of people like Anthony and Sancho and stuff. So he doesn't really get the opportunities. But you have to remember, like, from the second that he came to the Prem, he was being compared to Haaland. Like, that's what, that was the only thing that was going to happen. It was the hair. It was the hair and the surname. That's what yeah, it was, man. But, you have to remember, like, when Haaland came, he, he had a few more moves. You know, he had Dortmund as well in between. And it was it was in Leipzig he was at before that? Uh, Salzburg. Salzburg. Salzburg, sorry, yeah. yeah. One of the Red Bull teams. But mm. he, he had, like, I think he, he had more experience when he came. So he went on that sort of journey and developed. Whereas Hoyland sort of, you know, he's not had the same time to develop. And now he's sort of at a big club in Man United. He's still got the attributes. You know, he's got pace. He can hold the ball up. You know, he's... He's got a good first touch and he's a decent finisher. He just he just needed time and you know I, I can see him getting 15 goals next season, 20 goals next season. But his big his biggest problem was that he was going to get compared to Haaland from day one, and the price tag wasn't obviously great. But no, I feel like if he can get more chances, then you know he can definitely get to at least 15 this season. Yeah, exactly. Because we're looking at a Manchester United team that are devoid of making chances for their clubs. And we saw on the weekend as well, Matthew, I'm going to come to you in terms of how Man United should have killed that game against Luton because... Um, realistically speaking Luton have challenged Liverpool at home they challenged Arsenal at home as well and you're looking at Rasmus Hoyland scoring two goals but you're seeing Bruno Fernandes miss a great one-on-one God actually missing a great one-on-one Hoyland missing a chance for his hat-trick as well um, is there a creativity void for Manchester United compared to some of the top teams in English football what do you think Matthew? Uh, I think there is I, I feel like we haven't seen Bruno you know like when he first comes to the Premiership and <clears throat> he was absolutely destroying it goals assist and we're putting up all these numbers of what he was doing mm. um, I, you know what it is with United at the moment I feel like 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline anyway yeah. but you always feel like it was Man United one goal goes in and I think it's kind of like Spurs are the same as well like you're like when's the equaliser to come in like you instantly just think it's a come and I, I feel as well with Casemiro he's getting a bit, he doesn't have the legs so players are just getting past him easy. We saw Marcus Rashford's pressing. I'm sure everyone saw how awful that was. <laughs> he needs another He needs another night in Belfast. That's all I'm saying about Marcus Rashford. Send him there again. He'll love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel like you're not really lacking it. Because I, I look at them and my, uh, Kobe Mine has been fantastic. He's been a revelation for you guys. And Baller. Bruno, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like without Bruno, I don't really know who else you guys will put in that position. I think every club's got 
that player, like Arsenal, Odegaard, you look at City, KDB, we know Foden, if he's not doing it. Um, even Villa, we talk, you know, um, Leon Bailey, Bailey, we talk about... Um, Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise, who's Gone been, again. again, absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Tottenham got Madison and all these guys. So, like, I think that's what United are really lacking. And they're just getting away with it. It's could have easily, as well, drawn that game. You know, Bruno decided to take a shot um, instead of keeping the ball in the corner again. so Stupid. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Yeah, because my issue with Bruno Fernandes, and Sara knows all about this as well, um, you're looking at him and you're like, he's doing way too much as a captain. I think with the captaincy, it's kind of burdened him to run more, to press more. And every time he gets the ball, he's just bloody exhausted. And you're looking at him thinking, as a player, he is looking like a shell of himself because we've spoken about Casemiro looking like a shell of himself. We've spoken about Rashford looking like a shell of himself. But Bruno Fernandes, as a captain... I'm not saying it's not captain material because no one else is fully fit all the time and availability is the best ability, like we've said previously. But when you're looking at him as a player compared to scoring a hat-trick on the opening day of the season against Leeds or you're seeing him score outside the box bangers versus Everton at Old Trafford to now when he can't finish a one-on-one against Luton to finish the game off, to kill the game off. It's not looking great for Bruno Fernandes and maybe that is an Ericsson Hogg floor in terms of the style of play the way that we're trying to press because once you get past Bruno Fernandes and Kobe Mainu in the midfield you're then stuck with Casemiro who's left all by himself our fullbacks don't invert like Man City so he's not supported at all they're still on the wing and then you've got Casemiro versus Barkley and two or three other mm. players Lokonga was fantastic against Luton as well and just a quick one I'm sorry just quick I feel like with them type of players when they're doing a lot more defensive work, by the time they get the chance to do that role in that position, they struggle. You look at Man City, the way they play, KDB rarely has to do the tracking back. So by the time he's got, he's always able to deliver them passes and killer balls and got energy to do it. And I think Pep Guardiola said something ages ago, and he said, you just stay there. Our players here will find you, just do your job. And Mm -hmm. I feel like Bruno had that when he first started, which is why we saw him have a phenomenal start. Exactly, because Oli Gunnar Solskjaer played football through Bruno Fernandes and now Eriksen Hag's system is kind of just overbearing for a lot of players uh, Mm -hmm. respectively as well. Will we finish top four? I think we will, but that will be a topic for another day because it's looking very difficult um, right now for Manchester United to control games and to actually see out games properly as well. But what we are seeing out now is our topics of conversations for our clubs. Everyone, well done um, in that as well. Chris, this is where you get to shine because we are talking about your favourite topic of the season Top 10 Champions League players of this season, where unfortunately Juventus weren't in at all. But Salim. A couple of players. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> UV players on loan elsewhere. That would be crazy. But um, this is where everyone gets to share their top 10 list as well. It won't be like a normal draft or a top 10 that we've done before, Sarah, Salim, and Matthew. It won't be anything like that at all. We're just going to name our top 10s 10 to 1 in terms of who we think have been the best players in the Champions League to watch um, from our own personal point of views um, as well. So. Firing away with, you know what, Sarah? Let's go with you. I want to hear your top oh, 10 Oh, I list hate this. You know how much I hate a list, especially like an ordered, this could be. Let's do it in no particular order because if it means That's that. That's how I, I feel. Run, yeah. Because I feel put, like you're I'll, running I'll put, like that. I'll put a certain player in there and you, you know that I'm going to put him as first just because I'm going to put him in. So again, no pressure for everyone, but here is everyone's top 10 Champions League players of 2023 to 2024. Sarah Pararia, go ahead, my friend. All right, I'm going to go with a a bit of an outsider here. Just as I was going through the group stage and kind of reminding myself of who really stood out, number 10, I chose Mauro Icardi because he really saved Galatasaray in that group stage. And I feel like we want to give a shout to some of those teams that maybe didn't make it through 
to the round of 16. So we have 10 as Icardi, nine Julian Alvarez. Like, there's no way he's not going to make it. I, you know how much love I have for La Rania. And uh, he's been fantastic for Man City. Kind of stepping in when Holland wasn't there. And that was throughout just the Prem and the UCL. Number eight, we're going to the Serie A for Chris, and it's going to be Chiro Mobile, especially mm-hmm. after what happened last week and Lazio beating Bayern Munich when no one really thought that they could maybe. And Chiro Mobile proving time and time again that he is one of the best strikers that Italy have created. Seven, I have Alvaro Morata. I can't stress enough how much his resurgence has been incredible for not only Atletico Madrid, but Spain as well. Truly, truly fantastic. I think 32 years of age. Incredible, incredible by him. Six is Rodri. I don't even think I need to say anything. Maybe. I'm just surprised he's at six. I'm surprised he is. That's why I, I like you could switch this around for me. There's probably some players that could be higher. That's or lower. No, pati- no particular order. It's all good. It's yeah, all good. yeah, exactly. I have I have Mbappe at five, which I'm not really pleased to have him in this. Remember, we never had him in our Champions League draft as well. So there was, he was out there for a reason. Oh, I know. But like just with the way Paris have been playing, it I just don't like giving them any credit right now. But you can't dismiss Mbappe has carried that team through um the champions league this season as he usually does so it, i think it'd be foolish for us not to put him in there going for matthew's boy at number four bukayo because he is actually a little ledge and uh yeah has had a stunning champions league career thus far Porto will be a massive test for arsenal so let's see how he does but he's really shone so far in the group stage and it's been great watching him kind of you know rise and gain confidence three Erling Holland, shock, absolute shock. Number two and number one, I think, are interchangeable potentially, but it's going to be Jude Bellingham and Antoine Griezmann because the boys in Spain are dancing for both sides of Madrid. Jude Bellingham, we've seen what he's been able to do at Real Madrid in the league level, in the Champions League level. He's been unstoppable. Yes, he's injured now, but I think he will return shortly. It doesn't seem like a massive injury and he will keep on dancing. And Antoine Griezmann is that guy. And I think he's so underrated. I'd be happy to put him at the top of my list just to give him the flowers he deserves. Nah, excellent list as well. Chris, go ahead, my friend. Who's your top ten list? I'm guessing you have... just. I'm guessing you just made it now. I'm guessing you just made it. Now. <laughs> oh no, Texan... I, I have all the stats and everything. I made this a while ago. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Let's hear it, Chris. Okay, so no in particular, no order here. So yeah, yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. that. <laughs> no pressure. So, ha- so my first guy on the list is Cobble from Dortmund. Mm. Six games, he has three clean sheets. He's been absolutely instrumental for this Dortmund team. Without him, I don't know if they top that group of death. That Newcastle game was crazy for Kobo as well. So yeah, it goes to show that he won that game basically by himself. He definitely makes my top 10. Um, I'll have to put in your boy, Hojland. Yes. Six games, five goals. That's absolutely insane for a 21-year-old. In his debut believe, season in the Champions yeah, League as well. I was about to say that. I believe mm-hmm. that's his debut season in the Champions League. Absolutely insane. And he was enjoyable to watch. Like, probably, he was probably the only player on Man United for the Champions League. So, and the Premier League, he still is basically. And for the Premier League, yeah, we'll go with that too. Yeah, <laughs> the whole season, League. just just thinking of the whole season. It's just Rasmus Hoyland FC is what I'm calling it now. <laughs> okay, so we got those two. Uh, we're gonna put Philly Folds. So Phil Foden in there, six games, four goals, three assists. Baller. So he absolutely balled out in the group stage. I wouldn't say he was their best player in the group stage because. Another player I have on this list was, but he's definitely in my top 10. I have a couple of Man City players in this. So I'll just 
I'll throw them all out there. How about that? Alan Desaltro on there. Six games, five goals, one assist. He's Mr. Champions League now. He's replaced Ronaldo in Champions League. Nothing else to say about Haaland. He's got to be there. Uh, I think he's probably, he's my best player in the world right now. Sure. And that's Rodri. My best oh, player in the world. He's absolutely insane for this Man City side. With, as you said before, with, they, they win. And without, they lose. So, the internet, the internet hated me for choosing Rodri over Declan and Rice, so I'm I'm happy about the Any Rodri day. one as well. But everyone, Any the the point yeah. is, I'm going to defer to Matthew for this one as well. But um, Matthew, just a quick question regarding that: Do you think Declan and Rice could do the same job Rodri does for Pep Guardiola at Manchester City? Just a yes or no? No, but can I just sorry? I know you said yes, yes or no, but what I want to say is, mm. I think I, I I don't know. I just hate Rodri, but I can't deny. You know, <laughs> But listen, but listen, he is so clutch. Sorry, Sarah. But... You are a hater. Spice no, Adams listen, is a hater. He's so, he's so clutch. As a player, I could not hate at all. He's so clutch. But for me, I'm a, I'm a Busquets over Rodri guy, just so you lot know. That's just yeah. me. That's just me. Why does there have to be one or the other? They're different generations. No, no, and no. And Rodri is the epitome of what Busquets was. They are so similar in the way they play. I can't, I've never met someone who said they like one and not the other. Yes, I prefer biscuits over Rodri. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think I do too, but that doesn't mean I don't have the love for Rodri. Like, what, I'm loving Chris putting on, like him putting on, Chris putting Rodri on the platform here. I love it. Baller. Favorite player right now in the world. Uh, <laughs> we'll go next. It's Pete for Gleason Bremer right now or Danilo. Juventus is not getting any love from Chris right now. <laughs> oh, no. Bremer is talented, but like not, not. Not he's not there yet. Not, he's not there yet. Yeah. Next we got, we'll go with Bukayo Saka. He's been absolutely balling out for Arsenal. They, they, they look like they, they were never left Champions League with Saka in this lineup. He has five games played, three goals, four assists. So that's pretty insane. Yeah, he's just rubbing his hands over there. I see it. He's ready for it. He's been a baller in the Champions League this year. Uh, I'm going to put a player that's playing actually right now. And that is Acerbi for Inter Milan. He is a very underrated player. Just because he's oldest center back on this Inter team, no one realizes that he is the one who took this Inter team to the next level. Remember, you know? he, he battled cancer and he came back to professional football as well. Just that's that's about and he, was, he came in as a Skriniar replacement. Those are some hard boots to fill. So for him to come in and replace Skriniar with ease and... First season Champions League final as well. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, he's... He's been great. So he has three clean sheets. He's only played five games and three of them were clean sheets. Mm. So uh, next up, we have Harry Kane. Nice. I believe I didn't say this one yet, right? Yeah. Seven games, four goals, three assists. Not much to be said. The Bayern Munich team is on a downhill, but he's still, he's still plateauing on that, on that high. It just he's reminds scoring. me of Spurs, doesn't it? It's like you're, you're seeing Spurs Pretty plateau much. on Antonio Conte. Kane's still shining. Thomas yeah. Tuchel is now plateauing with Bayern Munich. Kane's still shining. It's crazy yep. to think about. Yep. Uh, then my last two here, <laughs> as well, same as, as Sarah, they're interchangeable for number one and two. These will be my top two as well. Uh, Griezmann and Jude. Griezmann nice. with six goals. I mean, six games, five goals. And then Jude, as a midfielder, five games, four goals, three assists. Are you kidding me? That's absolutely insane. For, okay, no. It's not interchangeable. Jude is one. Jude is you one know. on the list. Griezmann's two. And that's nah, I'm not. 
I'm liking that one as well. Salem, go ahead. I'm hoping you've been watching Champions League this season as well. And I'm hoping you're going to go for a, a pretty biased list because I know you've got a few favourites in this list as well, Salem. Where are we going for this one? Yeah, I mean, I can't put any Villa players in, but I'll, I'm just going to do five because I'm going to do five because my club's not in the Champions League, so I don't qualify to do 10. Um, oh, I don't watch enough Champions League. Um, yeah, so my top five um, in any order, I'd start with Hoyland. Yes, I feel like his Champions League goals have kept like a lot of, some of the pressure off him because he's like proven that he can score. Imagine like he went six without any goals, and I'd say like that Galatasaray game was probably the best game I watched of all the games. Not that mm. I watched many, but yeah, that's probably the best one. Uh, then I'll go for Saka. I feel like his returns really good. You know, for like another English player doing really well. So young um, as well. People forget. Yeah, what, people forget. Yeah, people forget because he broke in like he broke through at such a young age that you know you sort of, you sort of forget like how good he actually is. Uh, then I'm going to go for Julian Alvarez. He, I feel Ooh. like he's been quite clutch for Man City. You know what? They missed De Bruyne, so he's played as a ten. You know, Haaland's been out, so he's been playing up front. And you know, he can play anywhere across that front three, four positions. So yeah, definitely rate him. Um, then I'm going to go Griezmann. Yes. I, the one thing that I do know about Griezmann is that stat that, you know, between being at Barca and Atleti, oh. both teams won the league and he didn't. And I just feel so bad for him for missing out both times. But, you know, there's still still a chance for him that he can do it. Mm. Or if not, you know, he could always join the Prem big clubs there like Villa after him. Just and not then, Tottenham. You know, just not Tottenham. Yeah, he's not going to He's not gonna go there. It's like when uh, Ivan Perisic went to Tottenham and you're like, what is this guy doing here? It's like, you know, polar bear in, in Arlington. I think that's the name of it as well. I thought yeah, that's it. What's the Paul of doing in North Island? Whatever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but my, my top one's going to be Jude, obvious reasons. And, you know, I'm so surprised at how how good he's actually doing. I never thought he'd be this good. But, you know, there's talk of like Mbappe going to Real Madrid next as well. So they're going to be deadly there. So, and I don't know. I feel like if, if Real Madrid, like I predict Real Madrid to win the Champions League, actually, and I, the major factor of that is, you know, Jude Bellingham leading him towards it. Yeah. Coming back from his injury as well, like the game against Leipzig, he may be fit for the second leg, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Nicely done there with your top five Champions League players to watch this season uh, in the 2023-24 season. Matthew, the time is yours to shine. If you want to put the whole Arsenal team in there, minus Ben White, by all means, because that's hand, it is awful. Um, where are we going with this one, Matthew? Where are we going? You know what? Like, um, I keep saying this, Daniel. I'm not going to look at Chris. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no particular order. Yeah, but I've got a lot of similar names, and I'm so happy. I just to prove it as well. Let me zoom in on this one. Kobel. Is it Kobel? Kobel. Yeah, Kobel. Listen, do you know what, Hamza? As you know, I try and play keeper time to time, right? You were so you were a professional keeper until the age of 22, so it, it, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, you know they, they, call, they called you the East London Ica Casilla so it's, it's one of those things <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but um, no honestly he's been phenomenal and he made a save I think it was at Newcastle I think it was yeah. the way there yeah and I was like you know this. and I watched him last season I think in the Bundesliga I was looking at these type of keepers that will replicate Neuer or, or become that type of have that stature and he's I think he's phenomenal I, yeah he's, he's a great goalkeeper from what I've seen uh, Rodri I've put on the list I don't know why but um, Rodri's <laughs> Rodri oh like, I hate Rodri I hate Rodri in his, in his, <laughs> nah, listen this at the end of the day he's a clutch player he's City's most important player I know people say Haaland but without Rodri I don't, I don't think they really won when he's not playing I, mm. I don't yeah they don't really win but yeah again I'm not going to dwell on him um, I put Immobile as well I feel like he's just everlasting 
that I literally just watch him. I'm like, is he still going, this guy? Scoring goals, and he's just a goal scorer. That just That's all he does. And Record breaker. By last week's scoring as well. My guy, Bukayo Saka, he's got to go in there. The real star boy, is he world-class, is he not? Argue with Rio Ferdinand, not me. Um, Harry Kane, I've put in there. Again, class goal scorer. has gone to Bayern, scored goals. I know it's not Champions League, but he's broke. Has he broken a record? Lewandowski's record. Yeah, he did in the Bundesliga. So Bundesliga. he's on thirty goals as well within like five games less than Lewandowski. Um, a score yeah. as well. Again, quality player. Uh, I put Morata on here, but I just want to say something about Morata that baffles me. Right? Oh this god, this guy had so many different moves. I was like, whoever his agent is deserves an absolute big pay rise. But Morata, yeah, like I just yeah, pure. Like, it's a pure money laundering scheme, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I'm telling you, like... <laughs> I'm like, you made the prime of it. You know what I mean? But he, again, he's been quality, like, and he's one of them... Spain where, now, isn't he? I swear sorry. he's captain of Spain. He's captain of Spain, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's captain. He is, because we got yeah. no one left. <laughs> that whole gen is now gone, right? Give wow. it to Rodri. Give it to Rodri. Rodri. That's what I Rodri, say. Yeah, it must I think Powell. Rodri's one of the captains as well. Rodri or Powell. Probably Powell's probably best bet. Powell, Powell, sit uh, down. Sit down. I've <laughs> uh, uh, always got Mbappé on there. But like Sarah as well, like, I don't really like PSG too tough. I feel like with them, the whole money thing. But he's, he's there, isn't he? He's got to be up there. One in place. Harland, again, speaks for himself. The last two, again. Belling and Griezmann. And I've gone Griezmann because I feel yes. he doesn't get cre- enough credit at all. I don't know if you guys saw that Celtic performance, yeah, when they played them at, and the passing rate. Like, the home talking, game, yeah? The home game. Oh my, it was, he was phenomenal. The mm. passing, just everything. I love the guy. When I watch him, I'm like, I wish he just came to the Prem once just to see what he would do there. Um, so yeah, Todd, Bo- Todd, Todd Bowley will be listening to this and be, he'll sign for Chelsea next season. Now, God, God forbid, God forbid. No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, sign he, anyone Chelsea. We don't want him in place. Him and Jude, the top two. I think with Jude again, it's you know you've got a guy from England that's gone out there. He took Zidane's mm. number. Just take doing that alone just shows you the type of boss he is. And they're talking about was it taking his logo? He's going to be doing this. It's going to be like a jeweled little logo. So superstar. Mm. Absolute superstar, but yeah, them two up top for me. Superstar list from Matthew as well. Nicely done. Uh, my top 10 list in no particular order to follow what the crew have done. Um, so I've gone for Marcus Turam. I'm making him, I'm making his presence known because I've said it recently as well. I think he's one of the best free transfers that we've seen in recent years. Going to Inter Milan has been a much better replacement for Edin Dzeko. Chris will know that Romelu Lukaku was marketed as a really big Inter Milan player last season, but he wasn't because Edin Dzeko and Lautaro Martinez was the main partnership under Simone Inzaghi. Marcus Turam has been a killer up front um, for Inter Milan. I think besides Alejandro Grimaldo, his probably one of the best two signings, the free, free transfer signings um, that we've seen this season, in my opinion. And obviously with Kylian Mbappe going to Real Madrid, that would just eclipse it um, tenfold, in my opinion, as well. But Marcus Turan makes my list for me. Rasmus Hoyland, of course, I have to give him his flowers because, again, scoring the goals he did in the Champions League, his first goal against Bayern Munich away, match they won. Fantastic finish he has on him um, as well. And I really think... I really personally for me, I think Rasmus Holland will leave Man United in three, four years' time. I know he's a Man United fan, but he will have ambitions to grow and get better in this game. I don't think at this time of speaking, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but at this time of speaking, I don't think Man United may be able to match Rasmus Holland's ambition for what they've got going on um going forward as well. Cause I don't want to see another player burn out because I think Man United kill a lot of players, especially when you see them in the Champions League. They need to yeah. shine dramatically um across European football. 
um, as well. Plus, Real Madrid were linked with Rasmus Hoyland as well, so I'm glad they've got Mbappe. So we've got him for a couple of years now, which is great. Um, Jamal Musiala makes my list as well. Antoine Griezmann makes my list. Um, also, Harry Kane does. Um, I've had to leave out Lautaro Martinez. I've had to leave out Vinicius Junior to get these guys in. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, Erling Haaland, Harry Kane, um, Rodri I put in as well. And my last one. Actually, no, that's 10. I've counted more than 10 anyway, so that's perfectly fine. <laughs> I have eight. What are you talking about? So, Did Hoyland. Did you him in there, obviously? I've said uh, Ho- Hoyland, Marcus Turam, Griezmann, Musiala, Haaland, Mbappe, Rodri. Yeah, it was, it was Bellingham the last one. Though. I think Bellingham's a given. For I think that's one. still nine, Hams, but... I can't count today. Let's try it again. Okay. Kasura, Rasmus Hoyland, Jude Bellingham, Antoine Griezmann. Yeah, I'm, I'm confusing myself here. I should have... Re- on Anna. No, don't do this. Don't do this to me. Don't do this. Here's the reason I lost my voice twice going to Old Trafford last season, Chris. I hated watching Andre and Anna concede against some awful games. Oh, PCSD, PCSD, PCSD. He ruined my match day experience this season, Andre and Anna. That's all I'm saying. Right. 10, Rasmus Hoyland. 9, Marcus Turam. 8, Jamal Musiala. 7, Rodri. 6, Harry Kane. 5, Kylian Mbappe. Four, Erling Haaland. Three, Rodri. Number two, Antoine Griezmann. And one, Jude Bellingham. I can count to ten. There we go, everyone. Um, but yeah, everyone, the one question I want to ask you before we move on to our start bench cell. Do you think football has evolved in terms of quality of individual players? Because if we're looking back at 2014, I can name the top ten off the top of my head. We've got Ribery, we've got Robin, we've got John Terry, we've got the likes of Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, Gareth Bale looking at some of these plays and they were just unbelievable in 2014 compared to now. Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this as well because Sarah has spoken about it quite a lot and then I'll come to Matthew and Salem respectively. So everyone in their order. So Chris, go ahead. Let me hear your thoughts on what you think about the way football's changed from the last 10 years, especially going from individuals to kind of system players who work really well on the managers. Do you agree or disagree with that one? Uh, I agree. It's completely changed. We talked about this on, on the Footy Culture podcast, actually. Um, it's changed in a way that it helps with for the team more because you're seeing managers nowadays not really wanting that player to go off on their own and do their thing they want it mm-hmm. to have a tactic behind it that makes the team progress that you can fully full-on see it with Pep Guardiola's system if if you're not fit for that system or you want to be selfish and you want to do your own thing you're not playing for Pep Guardiola same thing for I think every, every single manager in the world besides maybe Ancelotti because Ancelotti likes his players free-flowing and to do their own thing. So he might Absolutely. be one of the only managers in the world that still has that, and it still works for him. So I don't know why more managers don't do it, but this is a generation of managers and tactics. This is not This is not a generation of like... Mavericks. Footballers. Mavericks, yeah. yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah, I agree as well. And sorry, I wanted to get your thoughts on this one as well, because... Chris then said it's the, it's kind of the era of managers and tactics, but we only see that really at the top level because if you're looking at lower level football as well, if we're looking at other different leagues as well, you'll notice the Mavericks a lot more because they are the ones bringing their team up. But um, again, do you agree or disagree with what Chris was saying? Just SR. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it depends on the team and the players. But yeah, I think when you... When you're, you're, managers are focusing on building a much more rounded team nowadays versus even 10 years ago but I think that also comes hand in hand with the intelligence and knowledge that we have in football and in Mm. nutrition and in you know that's why we see players that I think are so much more physical now because they have so much more awareness of 
you know, just let's say training, but I think it's different. I don't know if I like it though. I'll be honest with you because like, even you just naming those 10 players, I was thinking, Oh, those are the good days, <laughs> you know, it's such, it's such. That leads, me to another, that leads me to another question as well. Was Lino Messi a system player at Barcelona or was he a maverick? Because I think he's definitely more of a maverick than a system player. In my I opinion. think he's both. Are you joking? The amount of goals he gave up to Luis Suarez alone because he was it's, just... It's crazy when you think about it. Because you're no, looking at this guy, this guy was out here doing everything. He was, I think he was doing both. I think it's unfair if you don't say both because I think he was a maverick in the sense of what he could do. No one in the world can do what Messi does to this day, right? Sa- Salim but, on, on Friday nights can do what Messi does. I, <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy uh, it's crazy seeing Salem play football again it's, um, it's, it's unreal um, but yeah sorry you were going to say but at the same time you saw how many times Lionel Messi also gave up goals gave up chances because he wanted his teammates to also score the the assists he had were gifts literal gifts so I, I think it's it's unfair to say both it's just because of his talent we're going to call him a maverick but I don't think that that means he wasn't a system player as well yeah no, nah, that's absolutely true as well Matthew, I wanted to hear your thoughts as well. When you're looking at managers like Arsene Wenger, who really approved of Mavericks, like Thierry Henry, like Dennis Bergkamp, Robert Perez, Samir Nasri, Cesc Fabregas, uh, Robin Van Persie to an extent as well. What do you see in terms of the difference from, again, back in the day when Arsene Wenger was in the Champions League with Arsenal, to kind of now with Mikel Arteta, and the system has to be so rigid because your last Maverick, in my opinion, was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and Arteta got rid of him because he didn't fit into his system. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, do you know what? I, I agree with what everyone else has said so far. I feel like football is all about systems. I tell you, said beginning of the season, we have, what, 55 different ways to play. And I was just like, what is this nonsense? You know what I mean? Like, I miss the good old days. And, you know, we're talking about the 2014 Champions League. Players like Di Maria, Robin, Rib, like, them type of players that just got you off your seat. You do see it nowadays, but everyone's just rigid to a system. There's too much of this, mm-hmm. oh, we, we invert here, this one does this, this one does that. And yeah, I feel like we've lost a lot with the football, man. And it's quite sad because I grew up on that. You know, the Ronaldinho's. Like, I was thinking the other day, right? And I was thinking Ronaldinho, you know, in this current era of football, how would it work, them type of players? And I don't know if you would get the same. Like, honestly, I don't think you would. And, you know, Arsenal, you look at the team we had, like you said, Aubameyang was, when we signed him, he was, yeah, our Maverick player. He, phenomenal. And obviously, it's going to be, you know I mean? It's nothing personal, Arsenal. But anyway, that's up to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, again, yeah, I just feel like football's not the same now. we still got stars, but it's definitely not like it used to be. Definitely. Silent, any final thoughts on that topic of conversation? I do agree with that in a sense that I feel like it's um, a lot. You've had you've had the biggest one uh, recently as well. Jack Grealish being a superstar at Aston Villa to be an assistant player, literally um, at Man City, winning all the trophies possible, but losing a lot of his identity in the game. Yeah, you know, I used to like enjoy watching him play, and I still watch like old YouTube bits of him, and you know, used to really get us, you know, you know, off our seats and stuff. Where you punch me in the jaw after seeing Grealish score a fantastic, not not you know like. I think like football changed in a way like we've got less of of that, but there's more like I say it's like more systems, but it's more managers' ideas on the pitch. I'd say like if you look at the sort of football we get in the Prem now, like the style that Arsenal are playing, Liverpool, Villa, Man City, you know the, the list goes it goes on. Like Brighton's there as well. Wolves aren't you know playing too bad. So I'd say like football's moved towards more of like a system. Tight, but there are still like Mavericks within these systems. Like, you know, I look at someone like Douglas Louise, he's still death or some, you know, somebody I'd say that is that. You look at like someone like an Mbappe. Awful dance but, moves. 
Yeah, but the one thing I would say is like it's probably more of the manager's ideas coming onto the pitch and and it being more structured. But I feel like part of it is how you were saying that there's a lot more focus on like training and fitness, and also there's a lot more there's a lot more research and analysis. Like Emery holds like two hour, three hour you know sessions with the players, so I feel like it's become a lot more. I think there's a lot more studying and stuff to it. So. You could say it's probably become a bit more boring and methodical in that sense, but you know it never fails to, you know, surprise us every week. Exactly, especially watching Man United every week, seeing us lose leads that we shouldn't be losing at all, which is crazy and not at all surprising as well. But um, what will be surprising is this week's start bench so because everyone's been so polite and nice with one another. This is where people will be tearing their hair out. Because I think last week or so, there's a video online of Paul Scholes sending a signed shirt to Andres Iniesta. I thought, you know what? I've not spoken about Paul Scholes much since I've um, started this podcast. Well, not, not really any reason why or not reason why I haven't. But I thought for this week's start bench, so let's let's do a Paul Scholes themed type of start bench. So, so everyone, this is where you get to fight amongst yourselves over who has the best reasonings and why. So start bench, sell. Centre midfielders, Champions League Legends editions. Going to go for Paul Scholes, Andrea Pirlo, and Xabi Alonso. So, Chris, we are going to go for you first because Andrea Pirlo, Juventus legend after playing for Inter Milan and AC Milan. I want to hear your thoughts on which of these three registers, in a way, dominated world football in their respective leagues for their respective countries. Two of them won World Cups as well, especially seeing the dominance of Spain was something special, which Sarah reminds me of every damn week. Uh, it's not a fun one to be reminded of because England should have dominated if they built around Paul's goals, but they didn't. But again, this is where everyone gets to agree, disagree, have a bit of fun with this one. Chris, take us away. Who's your start bench self for this one? Okay, so uh, I might get some people to rip up the hair on this one here. I'm going to have to sell Paul goals. What?! Just, oh uh, wow! Just because I think no, uh, no, Matthew's face in slow motion. Oh, and he's an <laughs> Arsenal fan as well. What chaos? Just because I think Xavi Alonso and Pirlo are just like oh, a slight, slightly boy. above them. I Is know the talent. Right? They have, they had their their World Cup winners, both of them. So they're both winners. Skulls had a. a That's like saying Modric isn't as good as. Like certain players, because he's not won the World Cup. That's crazy. He has a Ballon d'Or. He's a Ballon d'Or. You're right. You're right. You're right. Good first touch yeah. there, Chris. Let's hear your thoughts. Let's hear your thoughts. So Skulls is I, definitely I, being sold, then, right? Skulls is being uh, Skulls is being sold mm. for sure. But like, obviously, I don't feel good about that. I know he's an immense talent. <laughs> like, I have to sell someone. But uh, Chabi Alonso, I'm going to bench here. Ooh. I I just think that Pirlo should be the starter. Like when you think of a, a center or midfielder, who do you think of? It's got to be Pirlo. And it, it, it's you think of him for one reason. It's either Pirlo or Xavi, in my opinion. But so Xavi's not Zidane. Or okay, yeah, I forgot about Zidane. Zidane could <laughs> be part of this conversation too. So there's three players, but no. But Pirlo's the only one in this conversation. So Pirlo's definitely got to be the guy passing. I think he was the best passer of all these guys. Vision, okay. best vision. But set pieces too. Set pieces defensively. I could maybe give it to the other guys because Pirlo kind of. Let them walk around like let, Marcus Rashford did on the Yeah, weekend. let them walk around him because he had like a Tuzel beside him usually. So he didn't really have to do much. But on the ball, I, I think he's second to none in my opinion. Absolutely. And he would help the team the most. That's, well, I'm Italian, so I could be a little bit better. <laughs> you're, allowed to, you're allowed to say it. I needed to get that reason up first of all. So nicely done. So Chris would start Andrea Perlo. He would bench Xabi Alonso and he would sell Paul Scholes. 
Matthew, agree or disagree? Where are we going with this one? Disagree. Mine's real Ooh. quick. Start skulls, bench PLO, sell Chabi Alonso. That's Ooh, straight. Wow. Like, okay. do you know what it is? I feel like, again, I'm not one of them like biased Arsenal fans. I think Paul Skulls is fantastic. Like, you look at what he did for that team from when he burst into the scene, his passing range had it. Pivotal goals in big games, Champions League versus Barcelona. Sorry, Sarah. Um, <laughs> header versus Man City last minute. Like he just always popped up and stunning goals as well. Volley, Aston Villa, Bradford. That he, the only thing he couldn't do was tackle. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? His tackling was so atrocious, but he had everything else. And he was always that player when he played them. I was so scared of him. I was like, as long as he plays, more often than not, they're going to beat us. So yeah, I put Paul goals up there. Pirlo. He's just classy, in it? Like, forgetting just the football, off the pitch, seeing him in his fashion, the shades. that He just had it all. Left foot, nice free kicks, the penalty against Joe Hart. Like, come on. Like, just such a classy, classy player. And right foot, left foot. And like Chris alluded to there, like, even for Italy, like for Italy as well, just he had everything. But Skulls was just a level above. Alonso, quality as well. But I just think the other two were, are a level above. I think really? they were a level above. Yeah, that's my opinion. Like, I, I rate Chabi Alonso highly, but let's not forget who uh, Rafa Benitez was trying to sell him for. Just saying, Gareth Barry. Let's, <laughs> not, let's not forget them days. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where is Benitez managing at now as well? Some random team in La Liga, isn't it, Sarah? Yeah, he is, he is. What, he's, I know, do you know what I mean? the coach of Celta de Vigo. Yeah, yeah literally. So. He, he got dominated against so many teams this season and then obviously he beat them on the weekend as well, which oh, is crazy. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even know he had a job. Oh, wow. Is lucky to be in a job after trying yeah. to sell Alonso for Gareth Barry, Aston Villa's finest, Salem, which is crazy. Go on, Salem, take us away. Your start bench, so Andrea Perlo, uh, Javi Alonso, or Paul Scholes. Where are we going with this one, Salem? Start Alonso, sell Scholes. Why are you selling Scott? Oh, this is crazy, Salem. Go. I don't know. It's just like, even when I have this debate, yeah, I know this is probably not that relevant to it but when we say Lampard Gerrard Skulls I always put Skulls number three and them three as well like I don't, I don't know maybe that's the most common start bench sell that any sort of Premier League fan ever has but yeah we're talking Champions I, I still, League here we're talking quality I mean Gerrard's won one Champions League Lampard's won one Skulls has won two still I just think, like, still think those two are clear of Skulls I, I don't know why are you I starting Jabi Alonso let's hear your reasoning to this one I mean, he's he's pretty much won everything there is to win, and he was such a quality player. Like watching him, but he's a bit like Perlo as well. Like they could both, like the pace of the game was dictated by them. So for me, it was a bit of a coin toss between the two. But they were both like clear of skulls. Like you know, I've got them two up there, and then there's a bit of a gap, and then skulls. So yeah, contrasting opinions all round. We are three different ones. Sara, where are we going with this one? We can't go much different here because three people come for three different ones. Where are we going with your start bench? So, and by the way, Sara, as this informed me, it's now 1-1. Um, I was about to comment, Luke Tiong, the man, yeah, the myth, the legend. What a Barcelona <laughs> signing he was as well. But yeah, um, I think it's a bit assisted for Daniel Marlin and now Luke Tiong scored the penalty. See, I told you it's a good game to watch uh, PSV Eindhoven as well. Top play. Top teams watch, but my my video is behind in this game. Um, Sarah, start bench. So, who scores? Andrea Perlo, Xabi Alonso. Where are we going? Um, it must be a blue moon because for once in my lifetime, I'm agreeing with Salim. Um, <gasps> and you know what? I was going back and forth as I was listening to you guys and your opinions as well. But I think I'm genuinely. This is just genuinely my opinion and who I'd rather watch. I'm not saying that necessarily any of these players are better than one another. But if you're asking me, 
who I want to watch more. I want to watch Abby Alonso. I want to watch Pirlo. I want to, and then I want to watch Paul Scholes. That's I think crazy. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, if once I've seen a player win the Euros, the World Cup, and the Euros back to back to back for my mm. team, that's the player I want to watch. Mm. I'll be honest. I'm going a little bit more because this one is really tricky. When you think about the accolades all three of these players have won, when you think about the way they play, like Chris said, the vision they have, they're, you could take any of them and you could be happy. It's Absolutely. really difficult to take to pick and choose between these players. So I've, I had to try and differentiate and so i'm going to just choose on my opinion and who i'd rather watch and one of the best players i enjoyed watching growing up as well was andrea Pirlo. i i I think he has that he has the sauce he has that about him and he's so cool and calm and collected with the way he does it i think paul Scholes is maybe being shafted here from me but that's just based on what i would prefer watching but for me chami alonso was just such a critical part of that spain 3p and you've seen him like Sally mentioned he has won something for everyone. I mean, something from basically every league. And I'm not really one to go on what players have won and statistics. I prefer looking at a player and watching them and basing it on that. But we also talk about the way Chavi Alonso plays and that deep kind of role and the way he's able to pick a player out from basically anywhere and just land that ball there. I mean, he he was so special. But this, I will say, this is probably our hardest star bench sell so far, I think. This I one's think a bit so. of this one, Someone is getting shafted that should absolutely not be getting shafted in the end. And, and in the end, our comments will still be blazed in terms of what we're going for as well, because everyone will still have a contrast and opinion to this one as well. But I think it's fair to say, I'm, I'm going to speak for everyone, but I'm pretty sure everyone's kind of gone for their personal preferences more than anything. Would you Would you agree with that, Matthew, Chris, Salim? Yeah. Personal preference? Yeah, yeah I would say so. Nicely done. Um, my start bench so for this one, I'm going to start Paul Scholes. I'm going to bench Andrea Perlo and I'm going to sell Xabi Alonso. So I think uh, Mafia had the same as me. I, I wasn't going to sell um, Perlo for the clickbait because Perlo was absolutely ridiculous. The talent uh-huh. he had so when he left AC Milan, that team where they had no whip whatsoever, yeah. um, playing that 4-4-2 diamond to then moving over to Juventus and then dominating the league once again. Chris saw it firsthand in terms of how Antonio Conte built the team around Andrea Perlo. You had Pogba, you had Vidal, you had Marquisio. Four centre midfielders basically ca- causing a, a shield, really, so Andrea Perlo could dominate with Morata, with Tevez as well as strikers. Madzukic was there for a time. Higuain eventually moved to Juventus. But it was a fascinating time to see Andrea Perlo. Xabi Alonso won the Champions League in that iconic comeback against AC Milan, prime AC Milan with uh, Andrea Perlo as well for Liverpool back in 2005. So a fantastic player, played under some of the greatest managers of all time and may even become one of the greatest managers of our modern era as well. But in terms of the player, absolutely fantastic. One of my favourite players to watch from Liverpool. I think I've said it on, on record, but I'll say it again, my favourite ever Liverpool player is Xabi Alonso for what he's done in the game. He's incredible to watch and um, unfortunately I'm going to have to sell him because Paul Scholes is my guy in this one as well. We're not really going to talk about stats and facts, but again, 11 Premier League titles. He is one of the big reasons as to why Sarajevo Ferguson was so dominant for so many years as a Manchester United manager because he had a dominating midfielder like Paul Scholes who could basically find you... Uh, he could find a needle in a haystack with a footballer. Mm. That's how talented he was as a footballer. His passing range was, again, Chris said second to none, but I'm going to say probably joint level with Perlo. Javi, Perlo, Scholes, Javi Alonso, some amazing passes in world The NAS to slander is insane. He's been, been omitted so far, I should say. Zidane as well. David Beckham, incredible pass. We can have passes for actually that would make a would that make a good podcast topic? Top ten passes of all time. 
I don't... <laughs> We'll have to wait and see if that makes a cut as well. But again, Paul Scholes is fantastic. You've got Xavi appreciating him, Pep Guardiola, Zidane, Henri all appreciating him as well. But again, the long passes, uh, playing around the shoulder as well, dropping the shoulder. And we get the, one thing I liked about all of these players, you, I'm pretty sure you'll all agree, the fact of them not being the strongest, the quickest, the fastest, yeah. and they all played with their mind. They played with their two feet and they played with their mind and they were ready to take on anyone in world football and they all did it superbly. And it goes to show what a talent all three of these players were. The fact that we all had different contrasting opinions and I think Sarah is, is right in saying this is our most difficult start bench self um, of the season so far. Nicely done, everyone. I applaud you all for your great efforts in that one and your reasonings as well. It's fantastic to, to hear it all as well. Um, we're not going to do scout hands because that guy's playing now, even Matson for Bruce Dortmund. So that will feel like I'm cheating. Um, realistically speaking, though, I do want to talk about Simon Adingra. Sorry, we spoke about him during AFCON as well. Scoring again against um, Sheffield United in an emphatic win for Brighton and Hope Albion. We talked about Mavericks going forward. I personally think Simon Adingra is kind of a maverick under this Roberto De Zerbi system at Brighton and Hove Albion. He can take a winger on the left and he can take a winger on the right hand side. Can play on both rings as well. He's a fantastic dribbler at such a young age at 22 years of age. Six goals and one assist this season for Sheffield United. Annoyingly, that one assist was against Manchester United. Um, but realistically speaking, I'm really happy to see a breath of fresh air like Simon Adingra in the Premier League as well. It's kind of like when uh, Kaul Rumitoma came onto the scene for Brighton. Fantastic player to watch. I wanted to know your thoughts in terms of Simon Adingra being the next, actually everyone's thoughts, of course, in terms of Simon Adingra being one of the best young players in the Premier League so far this season. Sarah, we'll start with you. What are we thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's always nice to see players come from, I don't want to say like a smaller side than whatever the top six or what's considered the, or the big six in the Prem, but it mm. is. And a team like Brighton that was on such a high last season under Roberto De Zerbi, it was so fun to watch. And then this player kind of come from the ashes there. You love to see it. And then as well in AFCON, we spoke about him too, but it's, it's a, it's an interesting one with Brighton because they're such a hard team to kind of figure out what they're going to end up doing in the end of the season and whether or not he should stay at a team like Brighton or maybe make that bigger move. Because right now we've seen, and it happens to so many mid-table clubs, but European football, it gets the better of these teams. The injuries, Sally knows all about the injuries. We've seen it with Newcastle too. Couldn't even advance out of the UCL. So it's curious to me to see how he finishes off the season, but then are we going to see him make a move potentially? Because in order to kind of grow to your full potential, is it going to be him staying at Brighton? I personally don't think so. I think it'd be a shoo-in for a player at Arsenal, personally, Matthew. I think Simon Adingra on one wing, overtaking Gabriel Martinelli and having Bukayo Saka. That's a, that's a recipe for chaos as well. Ivan Tony up front. Imagine that front three for Arsenal for a good five, six years at Arsenal. That would be absolutely fantastic because I think his style of play would suit... Uh, free-flowing attack like you have up front as well. It's ridiculous to see the talent that he has. But I wanted to get your thoughts on Simon Dinger, especially with the way that we are seeing a lot less successful dribblers now in the Premier League, Matthew. We are seeing the likes of Jeremy Doku, Simon Adingra. We are seeing Luis Diaz getting a lot more plaudits because of the way they are dribbling consistently and keeping the ball as well. Shout out Colby Mainu who's been fantastic in terms of dribbling, but from centre midfield, doesn't really help in this argument. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on, on that, Matthew. Are we losing a lot more dribblers and individuality in the Premier League for... Uh, wingers, I would say. You know, I think for a while, I think that's been the case. Um, I think like you look now in the Premiership, you got Neto maybe as well. Um, you look Leon at Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey. I, I look at 
Arsenal, for example, I don't think Martinelli really takes on because you know, like he just does the knock on and he just sprints, like he's just very quick. Um, Saka most of the time is on the inside, so he doesn't really take on. So I do feel like we lost a lot of that. But I just want to say with Adingra, when Brighton first signed him, it was just one of them for me. I was just like, all right, I don't know who the guy is, like, whatever's gonna happen. But you don't know football, honestly, Matthew, that's why. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, but honestly, he's been fantastic, and only now I'm looking, like you just said, I was like. He could do well at Arsenal. And in AFCON, he was phenomenal. Mm. You know, in that final, he dragged them. You know what I mean? He he really took the ball by the horns and just really uh, pulled Ivory Coast through. So I look at him as a player where Brighton might keep hold of him one more season, but he's definitely gone after that. Like, he's going to be wanted by a lot of top teams, 100%. Definitely. Salim, I know you have to drop in a bit, so I just want to get your thoughts going forward. You're looking at Simon Adingra. Would you say he's got the quality to be Chelsea's next big... big- Hundred million pounds signing from Brighton because when you're looking at it, they've signed eleven members of staff from Brighton. Do you know how crazy that is? Chelsea have signed eleven members of staff from players to background staff from Brighton and Hove Albion. Could Simon Adinger be the twelfth? What do you think, Salah? I mean, with Todd Bowley in charge, yeah, you can just put any number next to any Brighton player. But yeah, you know, there's there's a like we were talking about Brighton's model. They've got such a good model there, like of the players that they're bringing through. Like, you know, Mitoma's not been that great this season, but he's another one. They've got Ferguson there, who looks like you know direct sort of another like Kane V two type of player. So mm. they've definitely got that breadth of talent, and they always end up finding these signings. Like Cisco, he's another one as well. I just don't understand where they find you know where their scouts are. Like like Bowley should have just bought Brighton. And that's a claim that's a big claim yeah, yeah, right mean, and carried on yeah so but yeah it's like you were saying outside the sort of corrupt six it's um, the players you're part of the corrupt six now Salim you're up there you're in the nah, top we're, we're still not you know even if we're on level points they always like for title race they cut us out unless like they shave you know, points of you in, yeah instead in, unless they want to include the team below us or something so yeah in, in terms of like corrupt six you know it's yeah it's a bit of a mess in the Premier League but we'll leave that for another episode I guess Nicely done it's good having you on Salem it's good to have a conversation with you on the podcast as well look to see you soon and I'll in, let you enjoy your evening ahead I know you're busy this evening so thanks for joining us for even the yeah for the no time worries. that you had appreciate it no worries take care everyone take care yeah, take care man cheers bye. Bye. nicely done Right, match day preview. We've got three big games to go through. We are going through the Serie A, the Bundesliga and the Carabao Cup final. Chris, you are up first because there is a top four battle in Italy that is going on. I believe Juventus are going to be dragged into it because AC Milan are taking on Atalanta this weekend. We've got some big matchups in Rafael Leal versus Emil Holm. We've got Christian Pulisic who's going to be taking on Sayed Kalasinac um, as well, former Arsenal player um, as well. But what I really want to talk to you mostly about, Chris, as you'll go through this preview with us, is in terms of the fact that AC Milan seems to be one of the few teams in Serie A who get a, quite a big injury list and continue to thrive because of their um, strength and depth. Is that due to the fact that they that they really can qualify for the Champions League or is it the fact that they're actually out of the Champions League and in the Europa League and they can rest players after 70 minutes after dominating um, against Rennes in the Europa League? Let me hear your thoughts, Chris. I'm not sure what Pioli is doing with uh, this whole dispensing and resting players, but they're in a, a t- top four title race, like slash title race mm. in the Serie A. So this is not a time to be resting players like Leal, Giroud, Pulisic. I know they actually asked to be rested for that game. So it was kind of interesting that Pioli actually gave it to them. and But it came back to haunt them because Monza beat them 4-2. Crazy finish on that week. Crazy finish. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
I don't know. It's been it's been interesting. I don't know if AC Milan has the firepower to beat Atalanta the way they're fighting right now. Like the Catalani is going to come back to Milan and show them why. That's what I wanted to talk about because Matthew, I don't know if you know this, but every league outside of the English league, when a player gets loaned out to another team, they can still play. It happened in I the never, Bundesliga. I never get it. I never get that. I never understand this at it's all. Like, one, it's like such a stupid rule in the Prem, though. Yeah, but it's I like for us, that. for us, it doesn't seem stupid because it's normal. But for you guys, it seems stupid because it's not yeah. normal for us. Because it's like in the Bayern Leverkusen game, Stanisic, a centre back for Bayern Munich, was on loan against Bayern for Bayern Leverkusen. He scored against his parent club, which mm-hmm. is crazy. And um, CDK for Atalanta. I'm not going to pronounce his full name because I'm going to bottle it. Like um, someone mentioned Kovicic Kovarskelia wrong way as well. Um, I'm not going to mention who said Kovicic Kovarskelia the wrong way um, once again, uh, which is great as well. But yeah, CDK, um, talk to us about him, Chris, because again, he's been on fire this season for Atalanta. Had a very good game on the weekend as well. Let me hear your thoughts on how he can maybe challenge this Stefan Pioli look inside uh, for AC Milan. Oh my gosh, he is a baller. The last... I don't know, maybe five weeks. I think he's been scoring or or he's getting some sort of GA in those matchups. But if you actually watch him play, his first touch looks like he's like one of the best in the world. His first yeah. touch. Absolutely perfect. He drops on a dime right on his foot. The way you can volley a ball is absolutely insane as well. His striking ability. I don't know. They had, it, it had the real deal on their hands, but loaned them out with obligation to buy, which I believe Atalanta is going to take that. It, it's a small, it's a small price, isn't it? Like 30 25. million pounds. 25 even. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be, I don't know if it was pounds or what it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's just but, how I, I saw it. But yeah, I get yeah, it. It's no. around that region basically. Yeah. I think Milan only make like $6 million profit on it. So that's a bruise with the add-ons coming in clutch. Yeah. So what Atalanta are going to get for this kid is going to be triple the price at least. Cause this guy's the real deal. And they know how to sell a play at Atlanta. We heard last week, Sarah, about how, um, well, Luca told us about how their sporting director loves to have a markup on their prices. Rasmus Hoyland selling for £80 million, Ahmad Diallo for £40 million as well. So all of these young players coming through. If Charles de... Let me let me pronounce it. I'm going to give it a go. Charles de Ketela... Ketela? Did I pronounce it right, Chris? I said Charles de Ketelare. Ketelare. But with, that with, could with. just be like an Italian thing, but I don't know exactly. <laughs> I'll give it a go. Charles de Ketelare. Um, we'll go into it as well. But um, with this AC Milan side as well, Sarah, do you think they are going to be a big challenger for... We're not going to talk about the top four because I think they're going to get the top four, but do you think they're going to be one of the favourites for the Europa League with some of the teams that they've got in, Bayern Leverkusen, Liverpool in the next round potentially as well? What do you think, Sarah? After what I saw in the Champions League, I don't think so. Mm. I, they, they Bipolar is, is a word to describe that team. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and we've seen them with certain injuries, you know, at the beginning of the season, Yasin Adli, Noah Okafor as well. I mean, I get that, but I think all teams are experiencing injuries at this point. I don't know what it is about Milan. They can't seem to, with the players that they have, kind of get into a consistent, you know, string of wins. It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. To me, this Milan side should be way ahead of Juve in the Serie A. It doesn't make any sense, but they can't seem to get it going. So Chris is out here riding the wave. Um, I, I think if they go up against a team like you mentioned, a Liverpool, a Bayern Leverkusen, I mean, even I'd say some other clubs, I'm not, I can't quite remember. Right. Simon Dingra. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it depends what Milan we're going to get on the day. That's basically what it comes down to. If, if Leal turns up or not, basically. It, Absolutely. Yeah, Him, Pulisic and, you know, a Giroud header in the 90th. You got to be well, done. Is this? 
a lot of the game revolves around Liao if he wants to turn up or not. Like, mm-hmm. if he doesn't turn up, they just have a terrible game. If, when he does turn up, that's the Milan you want to see because it's two different Milans. It's very similar to Man United and Marcus Rashford as well. But this season is kind of a lot less like that because we're relying upon Rasmus Hoyland. But last season, it was like Rasmus Hoyland would turn up a lot for Atalanta in the second part of the season, but he had a whole proper team at Atalanta around him. This season, he doesn't have a proper style of play around him at Manchester United. But last season, it was get the ball to Rashford, get it to Bruno. Let's see if they can create some magic. And it worked so well for Marcus Rashford. This season, not so much um, from a Man United point of view. But um, excellent preview there for AC Milan versus Atalanta. The top four will not be decided this weekend, but it's going to be a big, big game in Serie A. Matthew, it's your time to shine, my friend. We are going to the Bundesliga. We are talking about RB Leipzig taking on by Munich. Harry Kane. You, I, I wanted him to succeed. I went out on a limb saying that Harry Kane would win a trophy before Human Son with Sarah earlier season. Then South Korea got knocked out of the Asia Cup, which is crazy to think about. Are these two ever going to win a trophy, Matthew? Are you looking at Son? Are you looking at Kane thinking, you know what, they're just going to be trophyless going forward for the rest of their career? And what's your thoughts on Bayern Munich taking on RB Leipzig after three losses in nine days? Do you know what? Surely Bayern can't lose like this one as well. They can. That team is looking good for RB Leipzig. They definitely can. You know what's so funny though? You look at this Harry Kane thing and you thought it was a dead set. Everyone was saying, you're going to go. You're going to get your first trophy. It's guaranteed. And then Trabi Alonso just does a madness with his team. Witchcraft has of, appeared on Harry Kane. That's all I'm saying. Someone's uh, put juju on him. <laughs> it's just incredible. And you, but you know what? I look at this Bayern team and I feel like going forward, isn't it? It's never been the issue up top. Like no matter who they've had, they've always had Kingsley Coleman when he was fully fit, Gennabry, um, all these other guys came. Even Triple Moting when he was banging goals. But I feel Thomas like... Muller. Thomas all about defensively I think no matter what they do it just never works like they've signed Kim from Napoli and I thought oh well, okay they're getting it delete his benching how he starts Opamakana I'm sorry I, 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 <laughs> I said it right I love it I love it this guy now and it's not just because I love Saliba everyone knows I love Saliba right but Opamakana sure. is just a walking mistake like he's honest he's awful Red, actually, did he get? Was it two red cards in a, in a row? Or two red yeah, cards in a row? Yeah, two and one week. UCL and Bundesliga. Like, Sarah, I'm going to clip this out of spite for those guys that commented. Oh, you don't watch Bundesliga football. You don't think Upamecano is that good? He gets a red card in the Bundesliga against Bochum. I'm just like, it's proved. It's proved our case. Honestly, I watch him, and I feel like you know, because remember when it used to be him and Konate together? I like Do you remember that? And everyone would say. Opamakano was the guy. I remember I wanted him at Arsenal and I, I was just watching now thinking, thank you, God, for that. <laughs> no, honestly, he just, even, was it um, Man City when uh, Harlem barged him and there was a clip where they were like, stay on him. Like, he, he literally just an error waiting to happen. And yeah, it's, it's quite bad what's going on there. I think, um, I don't know the director's name, he come out and said, you know, we don't like to talk about sacking managers and getting rid. But I feel like with Bayern, they're probably looking at seeing what might happen in the second leg. I think once the second leg goes, then they'll look and think, you know what, maybe it's time to get rid. But where do they go? You, you had Nagelsmann, you went for Thomas Tuchel. Is it Xabi Alonso? You know what I mean? Im- imagine Hansi Flick, Xavi yeah, maybe. Yeah, Hansi Flick I've heard that rumour quite a bit now. You know yeah, what I mean? It's just, but, yeah, it's just they, a German coach merry-go-round. Yeah, and it, I feel like with them, there's just a lot of the players that are disgruntled. Like Joshua Kimmich didn't look happy the other day. Goretzka has, hasn't been happy. So They've not been I happy all season. You know what I mean? So it is a big concern, but 
credit to uh, Bayer Leverkusen. They're putting a the pressure on and maybe Bayern can't hack it. Yeah, it's true. Sorry, let's talk about RB Leipzig and how they're challenging for a top four position after having, a, in my opinion, a very impressive game against Real Madrid last week in the Champions League, despite losing um, 1-0 or 2-0, I think it was last week. I forgot the scoreline. 1-0, yeah, Brahim Diaz with that fantastic goal. Um, but realistically speaking, RB Leipzig are doing quite well this season. They beat Bayern Munich in their first game of the season, again, denying Harry Kane his first ever trophy, uh, which is quite funny to think about. Danny Olmo absolutely killing it um, as well. But We've been very impressed this season with Lois Appender as well. We were talking about how he's one of the best strikers in European football right now. I wanted to hear your thoughts on RB Leipzig and you think, can they really shock Bayern Munich away at the Allianz Arena? Again, you've got someone like Eric Dyer starting, former Spurs player who's not been that great since moving to Germany. You're looking at someone like Sasha Bui, um, who's not been great since moving from Galatasaray um, to Bayern Munich over the January transfer. You've got Xavi Simmons in form, Benjamin Sesko in form, our boy Lois Appender in form. I want to hear your thoughts on RB Leipzig. It's one of those games where, again, you see this team in Leipzig that has no pressure on them. They're playing Bayern Munich, so if they lose, the narrative is going to be Bayern are back, it's Bayern Munich. If they win, it's going to be, the, you know, the story continues, Bayern Munich on the downfall and Leipzig kind of coming up and taking advantage of it. But I think they have to go into this as free, like clear of mind as possible because I think the pressure is all going to be on Bayern. And then when you said Bayern can absolutely lose again, just now to Matthew, I think they can simply because they're all going to be in their heads. Seems like Tuchel has lost the locker room. So how, how is the, you know, the player manager kind of relationship going? How are the players on the pitch getting along right now? It seems like there's so many missing pieces exactly right now that I think Leipzig is a good enough side to take advantage of a Munich side. What happened? Did one they no, score? One no. One nothing enter. One nothing enter. I'm behind. It's on in front of me. I, I, cha- I changed. I changed in the second half because I was behind in the PSV one, so I had to oh. change. Oh, oh, I won't spoil no. it for you. I won't. I won't spoil it for you. But um, I yeah. just saw the goal scorer oh, as well. The goal scorer is. Sent oh, me. I am behind. To be fair, I was watching this game thinking, how could Inter have not have scored in this match? It was like one of the best nil nils I've ever seen until that happened because it was just. Chance after chance after chance after chance. And Morata's is on the pitch now as well. So you're expecting him to, to score a last minute equaliser, I'd say, um, as well. No, I went for a 1 0 at the San Cedo here. Take him to the Wanda and then you can send him home at Prime Griezmann incoming at, at home as well, which would be crazy to think about. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't see how, like, when it's a big team losing confidence and losing the way that they have the last couple of games as well, you're looking at it and you're literally thinking, like, how can it get better from here? It needs a solid performance on the pitch. It needs solid leadership. And you're looking at the leadership group in Kimmich and Muller. I'd put Neuer in there especially. And you're looking at them and you're thinking, they're not bringing it home for Bayern Munich mentally because you're having Muller complaining to um, the press after the Bayern Leverkusen game, Harry Kane complaining to the press. You're having them sulk after the Lazio game in the Champions League as well. It is not looking good for Bayern Munich. And honestly, I, I mean, we're all here for it. We're, we want that Javi Alonso First title for Bayern Leverkusen. Shout out Leon, our favourite DAZN reporter as well from, from Germany. So I, I want it to be a, a party in Leverkusen, not in Munich this season. But you expect a lot more from Bayern Munich um, going ahead. And I'm expecting an RB Leipzig draw um, away, maybe a 2-2 draw to stop, again, RB Leipzig um, going into the top four. But again, stopping Bayern Munich from getting or catching up to Bayern Leverkusen as well, I would say. Right, time to shine, Sarah. Your game for the weekend, Carabao Cup final. 
Liverpool versus Chelsea. In England, we just see it as a nil-nil ball draw because it happens too often, apart from the last time when Liverpool dominated that game um, at Anfield as well. Let me hear your initial thoughts on the Carabao Cup final because there is a huge injury list for Liverpool at this moment. Thiago, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Alisson's injured for the final, Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunes, and maybe even Dominic Sobosle um, will be returning for it, and Curtis Jones as well. I want to hear your thoughts on Liverpool, how you think Jurgen Klopp will go in for this final, especially with all these injuries. Let's hear it, my friend. Where are we going with Liverpool? I think before the match on the weekend between Chelsea and Man City, I would have said it doesn't matter about the injuries at Liverpool, because especially with Klopp going out this season, every game is a final for these guys. Like They're playing for the manager a manager they love, a manager that has done so much for the club, for the city of Liverpool. Um, And then I watched the game that Chelsea had against Man City and I thought, hold on a minute, are Chelsea Chelsea turning this alleged corner that we have been talking about for the past, you know, several months and they're finally doing it now? And then to top that off with the amount of injuries that Liverpool are facing, I don't think this one is going to be as black and white as, you know, you would have thought, let's say, even three weeks ago. Because I think three weeks ago you would have asked any of us and we would have said Liverpool going to smash him. But it seems like Chelsea are kind of getting the wheels turning here. Pochettino is kind of trying to figure out how to get the best out of certain players. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be... I hope it'll be a better match than the City and Chelsea game. I wasn't too pleased with that. But... Low scoring. Yeah, well, I mean... Even low scoring, like we're watching Inter at Letty, but I mean, Inter is having a shot on goal every two minutes here. But I was annoyed with Nicholas Jackson more than Erling Haaland, Percy, because he had the better chances to get across um, the line for Chelsea and have a historic win um, at the Etihad Stadium. And he just let it side down because he did the Sioux celebration against Spurs when he had all those chances through on goal. And you're just like, okay, have some shame. He had no shame at all. And to, uh, that game against Man City, he just couldn't replicate it, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, I, want, I wanted I, more from Nicholas Jackson in that game, personally. But how like classic would it be for Chelsea to win this match and win the Carabao Cup in a season where they're currently, what, 11th or 12th in the Premier League? Like, it just, it's the most Chelsea thing to do. Like it, it just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. When Chelsea won the Champions League, what, four years ago now? We were all sitting here like, no, this is a dream. Like It didn't happen. No DM for Pep. Odd odd selection. I, I can't go over it to this day as well. Now we just left Rodri out. And Fernandinho. Yeah, but I think the one thing for Liverpool, like I mentioned earlier, is with Klopp's last season, it doesn't matter who you put on the pitch. There's too many players missing. They want to win as many trophies with this guy in the final season as they can. Carabao Cup's the first one to do it, so they're gonna they're gonna I think leave it all on the pitch, and I think that that gives Liverpool a little bit of the edge for me going into this game. Nicely done, good analysis there, Chris. I'm gonna come to you about Chelsea because I want to hear your thoughts on how Cole Palmer has been outperforming most of his teammates this season. I'm gonna play for me personally. I've been very impressed with, and he finally got his time um, in the spotlight in the media spotlight was Malo Gusto, the former Leon right back who had a really good game against Jeremy Doku who has been built up as one of these fantastic wingers to watch in the Premier League but he kind of had him locked down all game long as well I want to hear your thoughts on Chelsea how Mauricio Pochettino should set up with kind of these injuries with Levi Colwell um, Thiago Silva Cucurella Fafana and Romeo Lava still injured as well I want to hear your thoughts on what Chelsea have got to offer against Liverpool let's hear it Chris um, uh, I really like this Chelsea team, even though it's not performing to the best of their ability. Is it because of Desassi? Be honest now, Chris. It's it's 100% because of Desassi. <laughs> and he was man of the match in that game against City. Amazing blocks and interceptions he had as well. Yeah, it was played, really good for him. 
but they they have such a young team. I think it, it it was just a matter of time until they start clicking. Obviously, they're not clicking to their full ability yet, but they don't really have too much. They don't have too much of like those older players to like really guide these young players to uh to like a top four or anything yet. So they're gonna need some they're gonna need some time, and with that time, yeah, they're getting better, and we see it now. Pochettino is getting the, his tactics through to these these young players. And I think in this final, are they going to be Liverpool? Like Liverpool has been here, done it. Against Chelsea a couple of years ago Against as well. Penalties. Like it's tough. I don't, I think Liverpool win, but I, as uh, Sarah said, like I could picture Chelsea winning it on, on such a down year that they had. Yeah. It's a thing Chelsea would do. Matthew, imagine the scenes, Raheem Sterling, one-on-one through on goal against whoever the goalkeeper will be. I don't know if it's going to be Cal- uh, Cal- Cal- as well. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine Raheem Sterling scoring against Liverpool? Oh, Liverpool Madrid. end at Wembley, his former club, because he's had a up and down season. He scored the goals, but he's not been performing well. He had that really embarrassing moment against Wolverhampton Wanderers when he should have gone through on goal. And apparently there's been a rumour that apparently Todd Bowley went into the um, dressing room against Wolves when they're playing at home and he singled out Raheem Sterling for being a senior man just like Chris said as well being a senior experienced man in the squad and not taking ownership a lot um, compared to a lot of these younger players in and around the side what's your thoughts on again Raheem Sterling maybe having a redemption story here for Chelsea his first trophy um, at Chelsea um, what do you think what do you think about that Matthew? Probably will see it North West London boy Wembley old boy club. from Brent boy from Brent as boy they say all the Brent. time you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, you can see... Tattoo on his leg, number 10 on the back. But you know what? Him. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird one. As Sarah said, if you had asked me before that City game, I would have said Liverpool, defo. But Chelsea put up... I think this is me. Is it City that I... Because they didn't perform well today, I heard again. So was it City or was it Chelsea playing well? Um, disaster was fantastic. I've been calling him disaster the last couple of months, you know. Don't I mean, do this to him. Don't do this to listen, him. Listen, hear me out, hear me out. But, Chris, Chris will hook you up with an interview and you're saying it's a disaster. disaster. <laughs> no, 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 no. But no, but do you know what? No, I was because he, he wasn't playing that well. I expected a lot more. But I feel that Poch is he's slowly getting it right with certain players. Like, I think Thiago Silva taking him out of the team has really helped. And he's got the free midfield of Casado, Enzo and Galaba. And Galaba I mean, he got injured play. versus Palace, so that was kind of an essential thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it obviously stumbled upon something. Um, mm. Nicholas Jackson is just a willing runner. He's that type of guy. He would, all day, just bombing on. And he could have done a lot better against City. So it's such a tough game to call. They're, them games are normally draw. It's been this case since them Champions League days, all these cup games that they've had. But I just... I just feel like some with Liverpool. I feel like Klopp knew what he was doing with the timing of that announcement to tell him because they're probably looking good. You know what? We're doing it for you, boss. No matter who's injured, we're going to win this cup. We're going to do it for you. So I can I can see Liverpool somehow winning. And to be fair, I'd rather I'm not. I don't like Chelsea at all. Uh, I think it, I, I think Chelsea could pull it off on penalties. Me personally, oh, God I, pers- I personally think it could happen. Redemption for them, but I think. It will be a clean, clean, uh, clean sweep of clean sweep of Liverpool um, for the four of us against uh, Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final as well, which is crazy. But that's our match day previews done, and that's almost our podcast done as well. Um, last week we had a, a new segment sponsored by no one because we haven't got a sponsor for the segment yet as well, <laughs> um, where basically we ask our audience to ask our panelists one question each to finalise the show. 
Uh, Sarah, we've not asked a fellow co-host this time, so we're not going to get dragged in the mud. We're not having that at all. So it's all regarding your own specific clubs as well. So Chris, forgive me in our Juventus fan. We had one for Salem, but he had to Gareth Bale on us, unfortunately, um, as well. But Chris, first question for you. This is actually your only question as well. It's a Juventus-themed one as well. Who is your favourite manager to watch as a Juventus manager and why? In terms of style of play, in terms of success, whatever it wanted to be um, as, why, as well, I should say. That's tough. Conte yeah. really brought like the emotion behind it. But you've had boring winners as well, that's the thing. As much as I hate to say it, I think Allegri. Oh, I don't know if it's because Allegri, but because he probably had my favorite side to watch when he had Pirlo, Pogba, Marquisio, uh, Vidal, Tevez, Llorente, like that team was stacked. And obviously, BBC Young Morata, Young Morata, like he had he had my favorite team of all time to watch. Is that the so, Champions League final one? It was a Champions League final one, yeah, mm. in 2015. Nah, we should have won that if we didn't come up against MSN. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. what a moment uh, that was as well. yeah it nicely done great question there Matthew question for you from our audience as well by the way it's not from a, a fellow co-host that we both know at all it's just a general audience question as well um, their question is I need you to tell the Arsenal fan do they think are they really in the title race or are they in the top four race do you think you're in a title race or the top four race Matthew explain why I think I think we're firmly in a title race now. I feel like we're firmly in a title race. I think that I was saying on the earlier podcast as well, I feel like everyone, we want this expansive football that we were doing last season, mm. but we ended the season badly. We've gone through that blip in December now, but I feel like we've that little triangle we've got of Gabriel, Saliba and Rice just stops us conceding goals. And as long as we have players like Trossard, Saka, Martinelli up top that are fit, I think we're going to score the goals necessary because... You look at around people say it's West Ham or it was Burnley, but our issue was scoring goals. You know, look at the games that, you know, drew against Tottenham 2-2. I feel like we should have, you know, won that game. I think Aston Villa, we had chances, we weren't putting them away. West Ham at home, we had like 30 shots. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we couldn't, we lost 2-0. So I, I just feel we're looking solid. You look at David Raya, no one's talking about him now. You know, you, you remember when he first came out, I was one of them going, oh God, look at this guy. And so, sorry, quick look, just off topic. Raya, uh, Sarah, for Spain, where is he in the pecking order for Spain? Um, is he in the pecking was, order? Yeah, because even? look at who they have <laughs> right now. Unai Simon. Who Robert loves to Sun. do one major foot disaster in every tournament he plays. Sanchez After. is the other one, isn't it, Sarah? The Chelsea guy. So Raya. Yeah, and then David Raya. So those, those are three yeah, goalkeepers okay. for Spain. Okay, yeah. but yeah, but even with that, I, I think he's been good, and like we're just in a good place at the moment. I'm not just. I just think for me, I think Man United that you guys have a big say in this title race. I think whoever goes, Spurs do as well. Exactly, whoever, whoever beats both of them has the best chance of winning the league because we've beaten Liverpool. Show me can do it. We've beaten all these other big teams in the top six. So I, I think we, we're firmly in there, man. We just need to make sure we score goals. But then again, do we have to let the Champions League go to do well in the league? Because I don't, I personally don't think we can do both with our squad. That's just me. So, yeah, yeah, you did it last see. season with the Sporting Lisbon game when you got knocked out early and then the whole narrative of, oh, you're going to go all in for the Premier League and you went all in. Yeah, exactly. football kind of cost you against West Ham. Exactly. Southampton at home as well. Yeah. So. 
Maybe yeah, lessons exactly. will be learned as well. But I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing if Arsenal continue to be in this title race. And Sarah, yeah. uh, question for you, being a Barcelona fan. Realistically speaking, this I, I don't know how I'm going to word this, but I'm going to word it in a certain way. That makes it easier for you. Actually, no, I can word it in. Actually, there's, there's two questions there for you. So I'm going to give you the easier question. One signing for the summer, not a manager, but a player who you think would suit Barcelona's style of play from the Premier League. If you could sign anyone from the Premier League that suits your style of play. Ain't Saka Sarah, I'm logging off. Lamine your mouth. Lamine your mouth. came to mind right away was Declan Rice, too, you know. <laughs> Barca and Arsenal have such a rich history of doing uh, transfers between one another that I immediately went to the gunners. Um, oh, to God. No, do you know what? Do you know what Barca need? Oh, Salim would actually lose it if he was on this because Barca need right now more than anything as a striker. They need someone to score. They mm. need if they can hold on to Frankie in the middle. Their defense is not great, but it's it's fine. Hopefully, they keep Joao Cancelo as well. They got Big Man Araujo there. Jules Koundé, we can we can bring him back to what he was, but they need a striker. Andreas Christensen, stop forgetting about the boy, Andreas. I'm not forgetting. Danish player of the year. Baller. Please stop. Um, <laughs> how insane would Ollie Watkins be at Barca? Come oh, on, 20 goals. Yeah, we need a striker. We need someone that can score goals. We are struggling. We have wingers. We have guys that are able to carry the ball and cut in. We've seen that Laminia Mall's taken Rafinha's position. That's amazing. In the middle, when Gabi and Pedri are back, amazing. But we need someone to score, and it's not Lewandowski. Give me Ollie Watkins. Send this can, to I, can I add something quick? <laughs> yeah, go yeah. So you said Rodri is so alike, uh, similar to Busquets, but you're not going to take Rodri. I mean, I'd love to take Rodri, but I'm also trying to think of somebody maybe a bit more realistic as well. And like we, I don't know, like to me, Rodri, I would take in a heartbeat. But what do Barca need more, a midfielder or a striker? Do you know, like I'm trying to think about the positioning because right now Frankie is kind of playing that holding a bit defensive midfield position that Rodri would play. Now, if you're asking me between the two, of course I take Rodri. But there is someone kind of there right now. Barca have so many issues. So you have to go with what is the biggest problem right now. And it's scoring goals, I think, right. personally. Oh, yeah, no. I will take Rodri if you want. <laughs> absolutely. No, I want Rodri. If you got rid of Lewandowski, you then free up more in your wage bill as well. So if you were to yeah. go all Honestly, out. get rid of half his team. I'd be willing to. Half of them can go out on loan. We can sell a bunch of them as well. Barca, like, it's... Man United will take Araujo any day of the week, so I think we'll be good with Don't you dare. You can keep Christensen, the Danish goat. No, 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 no. You get Christensen. No, there's a few that can't be touched. But yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, it's a good question as well. My question is basically, if I could sign an under-23 player for Manchester United um, over the summer, who would it be and why? Um, Realistically speaking, if if I could sign anyone... Um, I'm not. I'm not going to do this. But it's basically. I was going to go for a second striker because I think a younger striker would work really well um, at Manchester United. I'd go for someone like Evan Ferguson from Brighton Hove Albion. But I, you know what? Let's go for a bit of fun. I want Simon Adinger at Manchester United. If I am going to go for anyone um, as another winger, a genuine winger who excites people, gets people off their seat, I'm going to back Simon Adinger all day, any day. But we can get a striker who's a bit older than under 23. So that was my question. If I could sign any young player under 23 for Manchester United in the summer. Simon Adingra, which is all good. 
But this is the end of our podcast. It's the end of the games in the Champions League as well. It has been an absolute dream to get this collaboration of football creative geniuses from across the, I say the globe. Matthew, where are you based these days? Are you still in London or are you in Harare? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Londoner. I'm an East oh, Londoner. I, I thought you were in Harare, so I wasn't sure if you are in Zimbabwe yes. or not. Like <laughs> I couldn't tell with the background. It was a bit... That's, that's why you ain't got a list yet. You ain't got the, you know, the dishes yet. So because I'm in here in Zim. It's true. You have to get these authentic Zimbabwean dishes as well. But just for our outro, I want to say thank you very much for everyone who's listening to this podcast and who's been bigging up our podcast this time around. It's been fantastic to continue to to create content for everyone as well. Big up uh, Matthew for his contribution today. Fantastic live streams that we do every Sunday. Do check us out on our YouTube channel as well, which is fantastic. Do find him on the Back of the Net podcast. And I will do. I will send Chris and Zara the links to Matthew's Back of the Net and the video that he did with George Achilles, the Spurs oh, um, as well, which Matt gets violated in as well, which is crazy oh, to be kind of like today as well, in a way. I've got to give a big shout out to Chris from... Um, Putty culture because he's absolutely fantastic with his Leandro Trossard interview. When he gets a Man United name on, he has to let me know before actually he knows as well. So I need to hear which Man United players is going to be interviewing first. Great insight on Juventus. Do follow the footy culture because they are absolutely flying right now in the world of football content creation. And last but not least, one of my favorite co-hosts to work with over the season, who's been basically like, I'm not going to say like Bruno Fernandes, but been ever present because it's been fantastic. And no, I, was, I, I, I know you don't like him, so I had to respect your, your judgment of that one as well. But she's off on a scout submission to an unknown South American country now, um, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time, which would be great. But again, Sarah Pereira, Chris, Matthew, thank you very much for this week's podcast. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Take care, and we'll see you next time.